and welcome to episode... Wait, which one is this again? 100, I think. Thank you, sorry. It's just so unceremonious, I forget. Episode 100 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the casual spike focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies. Wait, in what formats do we usually talk about? Modern and Pioneer. That's right, that's right. Those, are good, those are good formats. They're pretty good. My name is Stanislav here in Chicago, and with me on the line... From Denver, Colorado, it's the one and only Shane Beeps. Stanislav, I've got so many windows open right now. <laughs> I've got so many like new sources of information. Uh, it's 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 a high stress, high energy moment right now. I'm hyped. I'm hyped for this. My computer has never used so much RAM. <laughs> All of my, my RAM is being used. We're drowning in RAM over here. My bits. Also with us, the Godfather. Dave Harbarger. Guys, I wanted to record on a Saturday night because I thought I would be better rested than a Monday night and would be a little more fun. But I was with my kids all day today. I didn't even get to shower. I'm wearing the same clothes as yesterday. The people in Twitch see me in my just dishevelment right now. But I'm ready here to deliver some quality content as much as I can for episode 100. I showered and shaved for this, man. I, I also cleaned up my beard a little bit. I really wanted to, but you can see the edge lines are my edge lines are not good right now. Sad. So that's right. We're we're doing this episode live. We are on Twitch right now. People are seeing us. Uh, you might be listening to us sometime after Friday the 20th, because this is a normal podcast episode as well. But if you want to see us, you can probably check this out over our, on our YouTube channel. Hopefully this will make it up there. Yep. Uh, it'll be on Shane's Twitch VODs for a little bit. Those, those eventually get recycled. I don't know how often they they do but oh yeah affiliate gets a longer a longer thing don't worry oh cool shane is an affiliate so you can subscribe or just follow him whatever you prefer i, pre I prefer subscribe i mean i gotta be honest <laughs> i i prefer people subscribe to you as well on this week's episode we're going to try something that people said couldn't be done we consulted with a team of medical professionals to confirm that tonight's episode could be done safely and we also have paramedics on site to ensure that no one gets hurt during this recording because we're going for the world record today. In the past, whenever we talk about decks, we'll cover one, maybe three, at most a baker's dozen. But tonight, we're going all the way. One hundred decks. And let's be honest, we have no idea how this is going to go. <laughs> None. <laughs> we have 100 decks. We're trying to not kill our editor. So we're going to go through these pretty fast. I forgot that I have, I have the slides. So hold on. Here's, there's slide one. There's slide two. What's slide three? Okay, hold on. I'll, I'll save this because Stan's still gone. One of the nice things about doing 100 decks is that finally, for the first time ever, no one will be disappointed in us. Except our parents. <laughs> the question was asked, are there even 100 decks? We had to cut decks. I, I, I thought we were going to be reaching, and we really, really, really weren't. In fact, we had to cut and consolidate some decks, we decided. So we, I think we could have stretched this out to easy 125, 130. I think another thing, did, Stan, did you mention to the people who are not watching this live, that this is a live recording, so the episode is going to be a little bit funny. He did. He did. Okay. But it's good to emphasize that again. But stay with us, podcast listeners, because this will mostly be a normal show. Before all that, we're saving the best for first. It's housekeeping. Yay! New patrons this week, Jake M. Mac Rossman, 18 jacob c andrew d and alex 
G, welcome to the Dive Down Nation. Five new patrons, five new citizens of the nation. We appreciate you. Also, thanks to Mickey M for increasing their tier of patron support. Love that. Are you sure it's not Mickey S? I thought that was the other Mickey S. Are they both Mickey S's? Yeah. Mickey S. He's in the chat. He just told us it was Mickey S. It's Mickey S. He was tired of the other Mickey S getting all the shout outs. Mickey number two and number one in whichever order you prefer. Thank you both. Back-to-back Mickey increased tears is pretty cool, though. That's an achievement unlocked. Yeah, absolutely. No reviews this week. Oh, well. Yeah, we haven't had a, we haven't had a review for a minute. Hey, if you are out there, you haven't given us a review, make us feel good about ourselves. We appreciate it. I mean, hey, if we don't get reviews after doing 100 decks in, in two hours, I don't know what. Hold on. Hold on. We have... We have live confirmation that a review is left today. But oh. I don't I don't see it. Maybe we'll, maybe next week we'll pick it up hopefully. All right. Yeah, we'll probably see it next week. But let's give a shout out to Napcaster Mage <laughs> who Thanks, left Napcaster us a review Mage. this week and we'll we'll thank them again next week. So, um this episode is 100% brought to you by yourselves. We would not still be doing this if we did not have uh your generosity and your support. And it's ridiculously appreciated i'm actually getting a little bit choked up over Klimt right now because we never thought that we would have the support and the embracement by you all in the community out there in the modern community in the pioneer community in the magic community um you make us able to you know, pay for our editor to make sweet swag that we never thought we'd be able to make um really feel like we've created something awesome with you And I think we frequently say that the community, the Dive Down Nation, is the best part about making a podcast. That's 100% true. If we didn't have the community, we wouldn't just be shouting out into the ether. We wouldn't just be talking to each other. Uh, You make it what it is, and you continue to make it what it is. And as we always say, we appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so many people to thank the nation in general, all the regulars in the Slack. There's too many, so many people to name, and many of them are in the chat. Right now, you know, Tanner, our editor, Everett, Emma Partlow, who was one of the first people to kind of help boost our signal a little bit with people. Really appreciate that. And Ben, our TO, who has really brought a whole other dimension to the to the community for everybody that we weren't able to do. You know, he started running tournaments that I think have really made everybody uh, in the community have a way to engage during this pandemic. And, you know, I agree with Shane that it, it's been shocking what kind of comfort and joy the podcast and the community has brought to me during this weird, weird time for us. You know, we've done, I was thinking about it today. I think we've done about 40 episodes since the lockdown theoretically started. (sighs) You know what I mean? Maybe 35 ish. It's a lot of the run. And so, uh, so thank you so much for, for providing something for us to look forward to every week. And we hope that it's something that you all look forward to too. I might save my thank yous for the, for the wind down for the back of the episode, see if I can make my colleagues cry then. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to that. But if you want to join the uh, Patreon, head on over to patreon.com slash the dive down and be uh, a part of the nation. It's pretty fun. Also, you can support the show while you play magic. If you play magic online, there's this great website. It's called manatraders.com. It lets you rent magic online cards straight into your MTGO account. You have to return them eventually. It's your standard blockbuster family video model. Uh, Stan, I <laughs> I went to Manatraders and I, I had the I had uh the uh, death and taxes still. <laughs> two weeks later. And they didn't yell at you? <laughs> it was like two <laughs> weeks. 
Terrible. They yelled at me for the first time because I held on to Legacy Elves for too long. Whoops. Probably all those cradles. Yeah. So you can sign up for Mana Traders with coupon code the dive down, all one word, and get 15% off your first three months of renting Magic Online cards. That's manatraders.com. All right. There's no new de- news desk this week. So are we ready to get down to it? Oh my gosh. Hold on. So we got to talk about what we're doing, right? Yeah. Go on to the next slide, Shane. All right. Next slide, please. So I'll, I'll go over the rules of the night one more time. We talked about it with the people on Twitch before, but this is for the pod listeners. Hey, we're going to go through 100 decks. Here's how it's going to work. We are first going to go through 75 decks in a random order that are the decks that did not make it into our joint top 25 modern decks of all time. So first thing we're going to do is go through the 75 decks that didn't quite make it. And then we're going to go through that. So those ones are in a random order. Again, there's no ranking out of those 75. And then the top 25, we're going to go from deck 25 to deck number one, according to our composite rankings that Stan Shane and I put together. It's according to us, not scientific top 25. Unfortunately, we did we did some pivot tables, but we didn't do as many as we could have. There's only so much time in the day. Dave, you're never satisfied with the number of pivot tables we produce. <laughs> Mostly it's because I don't know how to make one. And so I'm constantly like, just pivot it. Just pivot it, you guys. The last thing I wanted to say was the fun aspect of this is Stan did a top 25. I did a top 25. Shane did a top 25. And then Shane had the job of aggregating them into a single unified list. And so Stan and I actually don't know the order that the decks are going to be in. And Shane does. So that'll be a fun reveal when we get to that part uh, about three hours from now <laughs> at this pace. So, all right. So let's do it. We, it's time to hop into those top 75 or the first 75 decks. Yeah. The, be- the chum of the format. I mean, I don't know about the chum. There's a lot of good decks and a lot of weird decks in here, but let's do it. Stan, I do. I like blue cheese's suggestion, by the way. Uh, I'm no longer. You don't even have a nickname for me, You're right? The, the one and only. Yeah, the one and only. I'm now Shane the Aggregator. The aggr- <laughs> All right. Here we go. I just, I'm in it. We're in, we're, in, we're in number 100. Deck the first. Gruel Ponza. Gruel Ponza. I love, when this came up first in the random order, I was really happy. Yeah, me too. I remember one time I was playing Blue Moon at Dice Dojo here in Chicago, and someone cast a turn two Stone Rain against me for the very first time. And when that happened, I thought to myself, this is probably just the best deck in modern. (laughs) Except that was two years ago. And as it turns out, it took a while for modern Ponza to actually make it to the big leagues. But now we've kind of seen that happen. And I believe that we can specifically thank Clothus for that. Clothus gave this deck an angle of attack that basically no other deck has that doesn't run Clothus. And likewise, Ponza didn't really have a similar tool in the past. But I think the absolute coolest thing about Ponza is that despite the various heuristics that we have for evaluating cards in modern on this podcast, this deck can still reward you for playing three, four, five mana permanents that would be slow and overcosted in most other strategies. Well, I don't even get like any follow up. You, you want to move this fast? <laughs> go ahead. If you have follow up, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Ponza is just Ponza is just the deck that was like a rogue deck, and then all it took was a little bit of the right meta game and a little bit of the right power level. And I think it's a pretty it's a pretty awesome I think first deck to talk about because it's why modern is so cool in a lot of ways, right? Which is like, hey, this this kind of a joke deck became kind of a tier one deck. Yeah, absolutely. It's 
definitely a deck I had fun playing. I can't add much more to what these guys put, but it's it's a good one to pick up. And if you haven't, try it. All right, what's next? The second deck. The Rock. Is The Rock. All right, so The Rock, I feel like, is an interesting place. It's sort of this deck that tries to walk the line of one-for-ones. You know what I mean? It's like, how can I do some hand disruption? It doesn't have as much card advantage as what maybe like Jund has. It's got a more stable mana base. It's not as painful. It also has Field of Ruin these days, which is a good incentive to play it. And I feel like this is the type of deck that really good pro players like someone like Willie Adel can do really, really good with it, where every time I pick up a deck like this, I feel lost. Shane, this was in your wheelhouse for a little bit. How'd you feel about this kind of deck? Yeah, um, I remember I was playing this a little bit. I remember um, long time, I think our first patron, uh, Cool Jake, was also a player of this deck. And what's good about it is, like you said, it's like it's before you had so much incentive to be doing things like play the unbanned Bloodbright Elf, like to play Renin Six. You could say, hey, I want to play Hand Disruption. I want to play Dark Confidant. I want to play Scavenging News main deck. And I want to be able to play, like you said, like Field of Ruin or other things like that. But then you're also playing like that Golgari creature land that's just terrible. Like it's like a 2-3 Death Touch or something like that. Yeah. Instead of Raging Ravine, uh, which at the time was a much, much better creature land. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad when you think about you know, I don't remember the last time I saw, I can't remember the person's name, like the rock, uh, stalwart who always just plays the rock. Willie Adel. No, no, it's a, it's a different person. It's Dwayne um, like Johnson. The, well, yeah, Dwayne Johnson. This is their online, their magic, the gathering, uh, online name. But yeah. Anyway, Dave, your point about one for ones, is that to say that Jund is the, the deck that wants to two for one over and over? And this is kind of like the half off bin. That's kind of what I think a little bit, but, um, it's just about what tools you have access to. All right. Guys, love these two decks. We can't talk for about each one of these decks as long as we are from oh, you're here. You're right. You're right. Give so, me a ding, Dave. You'll just be you'll be the official dinger, right? Deck number Third. three, slivers. 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 One of the most synergy driven decks of all time. Slivers. What you get a bunch of cheap creatures in five colors. You have cool text like all your slivers have flying, or they all get one one, or they all have horsemanship, and so <laughs> you know you spew these things onto the battlefield. With Collected Company, Aether Vial, and uh, Overwhelm Your Opponent. Pretty sweet. Yeah, just interesting deck. It plays out on that kind of like human spirits access a little bit because of the great enablers in Collected Company and and Aether Vial. That I suddenly yeah. blanked on the name of that. But uh, disruptive in a different way. Creatures get bigger faster. They get evasion faster or they lose it. Like there's weird things that Slivers does that people aren't prepared for sometimes. <laughs> And you get a, yet another uh, Rainbow Land in Sliver Hive or whatever. Yep. And like, and what's crazy is there's so many slivers. Like, there's so many sideboard options for, like, you know, doing something weird with a sliver. And that's got to be fun. Like, thinking out your sideboard of all slivers all the time. I got the next one, too. Uh, Green Devotion. Another Cool Jake deck. Like, s- somehow, Nykthos is not a modern powerhouse. But Green Devotion has tried to make it a thing for years now. Um, it's like this is like the actual green version of Tron, right? Like there's just something like a little bit satisfying about powering out like prime time or like crater hoofing your opponent. And I think this deck is probably a little bit underplayed. Like just throw a Leyline of Abundance in there. Like let's go, let's go to town. Was this a prime time hoof deck? Was I thought this was like a, a- Bee Queen. What's that Queen? Hornet Queen. Hornet Queen. Hornet Queen is in there. Yeah. This anything anything expensive and green is in the deck. Yeah. Mm. 
Am I? Oh my gosh. We'll see. Hold on. Here's a problem, y'all. Is we we all we split up the notes, and sometimes a few of us are gonna we're gonna go a few in a row here. So I'm up again. Green white hate bears. Yeah, I also think that we should throw green white value town into this bucket as well because yeah, it has some similar certainly. pieces. Our our on screen graphic right now is Thalia, but there's so many different pieces within this archetype that you can do different things with. That sometimes you can go down the hate axis with your kind of taxes kind of plan with some arbiters and some Thalias. Sometimes you can go in a different way where you concentrate more on stuff like Ramen App Excavator and Knight of the Reliquary and kind of do some land kind of stuff. There's a lot of different things going on. As Shane noted in the notes that I'm taking over for him. Please do. Thank you. <laughs> hate Bears is a very fair deck most of the time, right? It's like, hold on, okay, is this fair mean not good? I think fair means doesn't ever have broken, doesn't ever steal games. That's what fair means, right? Now, Lena and Arbiter can steal a game sometimes, as can Thalia against the right deck. So I think it's a little weird. But then, you know, this deck has been around for a long time. It's around Kosali Pride Mage, Void of Resurgence, lots of two drops. Those are the bears, right? And they're hateful. So <laughs> hate them. Definitely had some fun against people uh, playing Green White Value Town against me in dive down tournaments. Nikki B, if you're out there, this is a hat tip for you. It's a powerful deck sometimes. Jeskai Ascendancy. Yes. Jeskai Ascendancy, the deck that never quite got there in modern. It's had moments where people thought it was going to be good with Fate Stitcher and Cerulean Wisps and that kind of early combo with it. And then later on, it was in a version with Urza that I actually thought was maybe going to be the good version. And Emery. And Emery as well. Yep, totally. But it was never... I think it turned out to be too fidgety in the Urza decks. And then there's, there's just more powerful combos to do. So this, to me, is a card that I think ended up on our list you know, it's not like this one had any votes for the top 25, but it is an engine card that's going to be out there and hovering around for a while. Like, there's always going to be cards that get printed that are going to make people wonder if Jeskai Ascendancy is good enough or not, but not right now. I, oh, I, I also love the art. The art is really sweet. <laughs> All right. Up next, Dice Factory. I played against this deck for the very first time ever just last night against Mickey. Wow. Which Mickey? One of like the three Mickeys. Yeah. So here's what I'll say. I, I was on Green Tron. Mickey's on Dice Factory. C Tron, because of Core Tapper. It's game two. I cast an Emrakul, the promised end, and mind slave my opponent. I bungle it completely on the crackback. Mickey casts Mind Slaver on me, and I, I did not win that game. <laughs> what I did learn, though, from this very first experience, Dice Factory, I think, very easy to beat if you just have a Sony Silence. <laughs> Game over. That's basically it. I, there were some people that were thinking this deck was pretty busted for a while, maybe like three, four months ago, but kind of receded again, right? Uh, Ch Chad is asking about Stony Sans in 2020. That's also shorthand for Karn the Great Creator. Yeah. Next deck. Something from the past. Dave, what is this? This deck is called Counter Cats, okay? This is, this is a made-up deck. This is not a made-up deck. This deck is an early four-color deck played by josh utter layton in the original modern pro tour and it's a bit of a interesting kind of early zoo-ish deck but it had some really powerful cards in it knight of the reliquary lightning bolt path to exile green sun's zenith and bant charm three bant charm were in this deck uh to kind of fit into that first pro tour and this deck came in second so I just kind of wanted to give a little bit of a, a hat tip to one of the early decks that sort of some of the cards stayed powerful enough to play and some of them are gone at this point. But this is just some of the weird stuff from the beginning of when modern started. 
Miracles. Perhaps the most luck-based version of Control in Modern that really forces you to believe in the heart of the cards to actually pull through. Hold on. Aspiring Spike is not in the chat, not on the stream. I don't know if he would say it's luck-based. <laughs> so I've watched Spike stream Miracles, and I can't tell you how many times opponent cast a spell that he could not manipulate the top of his deck for just blind flip and then he just blinds flip it anyway um so <laughs> what i love about this deck is that it forces you to very slowly and meticulously draw the top card of your library every single time because if you put the drawn card into your hand it's too late and you've already screwed up your chance to cast a powerful miracle spell yeah i can never play this deck in paper because i will always forget to late wait for my miracle trigger <laughs> absolutely every time i'll be like pick it up and then i'll be like two minutes later and I'll be like oh god you gotta do that funny draw that people do where it's like they they pick it up and hold it like way out here yeah and then they and like they make sure <laughs> and then they sniff it is that what you were just doing with your hand do you smell what Golgari Midrange is cooking? Do you smell the Terminus I'm cooking? Next deck, Bant Soul Herder. All right, this deck, really fun. People loved it after Modern Horizons came out. A lot of people thought that it was broken. Gabe Nassif was streaming it. Not broken. They thought it was really good because of all the great comes into play abilities. There's this one time when Stoneforge just got on band and Gabe Nassif was playing this deck on stream a lot that I had gotten in my head that this is the truth. And there was this crazy week right before a Nerd Rage gaming tournament um, where I first met Judge Jack, where I like scrambled with Dave and some of my other friends to help me find pieces for Bant Soul Herder because I was like, I'm playing this deck. In the end, I chose not to play this deck. But. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do agree this deck with chat. Chat is saying right now, this deck is so annoying. I agree this deck is so annoying. I wish I knew how to to beat it faster. I feel like it's one of those ones where like I feel like I'm way ahead. Someone plays some of the cards from Bant Soul Herder. I'm like, this is going to be no problem. Then suddenly they have three 12-12 Soul Herders and I'm just dead. And that's it. Oh, 8-Rack. We got there. I'm going to talk about 8-Rack. Go ahead, because like, I hate 8-Rack. I, I know I you do. It. Yeah, Dave, your one note was, I have nothing to say about 8-Rack, so I decided to flesh this out a little bit. So 8-Rack, I kind of see it in my brain, in my mind palace, as like this weird cousin <laughs> to Mill, okay? Just that it's going to be around forever, and you're never going to respect it properly, and then you get paired against it, and it's going to discard everything in your hand, and it's going to Raven's Crime you into the ground, and then it's going to beat you down with a Mutavault, and you're just going to feel really bad. And it's the deck that's probably furthest from Tier 1, and yet somehow I respect it the most. All right, this is another one I'm going to steal from Shane for a minute. What? I haven't talked for like five decks. You should steal it, though. Jeskai Nahiri. Anybody remember this deck? There was definitely a period of time, not too long after Shadows of Innistrad came out, where people thought that this deck was the best version of Control and one of the best decks in Modern. And the idea here was basically Jeskai Control with Nahiri that searches up Emrakul. Very on-theme flavor-wise for what for what Nahiri does. But also... um kind of worked kind of didn't work i thought that it was um a good good enough deck to take to a grand prix one time where shane and i got up on a saturday morning one? yes and drove from chicago like the, to the, indianapolis the, 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 night, the night before we were like oh wait we lose an hour yeah we were like we need to leave at five o'clock in the morning and it was one o'clock in the morning when we realized that and uh we drove from chicago to indianapolis in a rainstorm at five o'clock in the morning and i ended up going oh and four with the deck oh four drop 
with the jacket, the crazy. It was it was not a great day. We, we have, the best part about that day, Dave, is the Applebee's steak at the end of the yeah. day. Uh, the best part of the day I felt like was when we talked to Craig Wesco for a minute and just said, <laughs> "What's up, Craig?" I mean, I just gotta say, do you remember when Jeskai Nahiri, or rather when Nahiri was like something you could legitimately do for four mana? Like this was like a this was a card that you could play for four mana and expect to live for two turns and win with. Like that's incredible. Yes, yes, yeah. that's, that's that's modern of a particular age. Yeah, I I don't think it was ever really of the right vintage for modern. I think people were kind of more hopeful about it than they should have been. Yeah, I th- I think it kind of just like replaced a Johnny Vengeance when Jeskai control was kind of on the downswing, and people maybe thought this was the new application for Jeskai, and it just never really panned out. Yeah, but the best part of that Grand Prix was Applebee's because it was a really rough Grand Prix. Really rough Grand Prix. Pretty decent stake. Oh, Bogles. All right. We got there. Yeah, this one's dedicated to Emma, who's up at like 2 a.m. to watch us talk about modern cards. Now she cards. can stop the stream. <laughs> now she's like, great, I can go to bed now. <laughs> and you know, it's not just Emma. There's a bunch of people in our Slack who really love this deck, even though its heyday is pretty solidly in the rearview mirror, with the exception of an occasional weekend here and there when Dil- Dylan Donegan identifies it as like the best choice for a tournament. And the way I see it, it pretty much falls into a similar category as decks like Infect or sometimes even Prowess in that you play these low drops, you pump them up, you swing for lethal on like turn three or four, except those decks nowadays are just consistently stronger and like bogles needs to be in the very perfect metagame to kind of like squeeze past a bunch of spot removal basically when mid-range or prowess is everywhere well oh i thought the whole point of this deck was that spot removal doesn't do anything that's the thing well that's the thing everyone's playing removal and john so you played this deck instead exactly yeah or something like it's actually really good against stuff where a lot of life gain is going to help you out too right so against a metagame with a lot of red decks can be good too don't forget don't forget the days of like $25 daybreak coronets. Yeah, absolutely. Next up, Niv to Light. Ooh. This is a complicated story with this deck, right? <laughs> so I don't know if you'll remember. I mean, first off, hat tip to Cave Dan and Faithless Brewing for you know, being the people that put this deck together. It was a deck that we reviewed in, during a sleeve believe heave episode post War of the Spark. And I kind of trashed this deck in that I had a really rough time playing it. But let's remember, this was pre-Modern Horizons. So there was no Renin 6. There was no Arkham's Astrolabe. There was no other cards that were super important to this deck. It was an earlier version. Interestingly enough, there was, of course, a period where this deck was very, very good towards the end of 2019, essentially. And then kind of disappeared again, because I think it got outmoded by some other mid-rangey kind of grindy decks around Uro. Now, there were Uro decks, Uros in Nymph to Light as well at different points in time, but I just feel like this one's kind of faded a little bit, but I think that this is another one of those cards that is such a powerful payoff, there's always going to be room for it to come back. We got Motown Lush in the chat calling it Trade Binder Midrange, and I like that. It's the perfect name for it. It's just like, oh yeah, I do have this one five-color gold card. I just need a nab. Yeah, and also uh, Lawson Zandy has, says that this is number one deck, not close. <laughs> Hey, I didn't rate these, my friend. Lawson, we we see you, and we know that you can do things with this that we cannot. I do. I finally get to talk again. Yep. Holy moly, Bant Eldrazi. So, for all the true heads out there, all the true modern heads might remember this deck. Um, I definitely built this deck 
and I'm not sure if I ever really played it. I think I did. Like, I think I'm sure I had to play this deck. It might have been what I bought Noble Hierarchs for, which is saying something that might have been Invect. I don't know. Like, remember, remember, like, the few months when, like, Brushland was a moderately expensive card to purchase because of this deck? Like, I had to get mismatched high, like, like, heavily played ones to save some cash. And I think I still paid like five bucks each. Yeah. This deck was sweet and it was such a cool way for Eldrazi to basically off ramp from the colorless broken deck that got banned into something that was still super duper powerful and used a bunch of weird like cards that were really good and standard too. And yes, as PSC Wintergreen just mentioned in the chat, it's all about how can I play a turn two thought not seer. There's a bunch of decks that are, that are based on that idea. How often can we turn to thought not seer? Yeah. How bad can it be if you're playing, Turn to TKS, right? We'll have more on that later. Up next, Crabvine. Dom, where are you at? So this is not a dredge deck. Don't call it dredge. It's Crabvine. Though I feel like it almost bears enough similarity to dredge that Shane would want to play it, and yet he he doesn't. And I've kind of come to this conclusion that this will need to be one of our we're doing it for science episodes because for one reason or another, none of us want to play it. Which makes me want to ask you guys... Why do we hate Vengevine so much? I love Vengevine. And one deck that I remember that we did not make on the list is is Bridgevine. Oh, my gosh. So How can we forget that deck? Totally forgot Bridgevine. But anyway, because there's a much better version of it later on. Oh, that's a good point. But Crabvine is a deck that, you know, maybe we'll get to someday. And I think it definitely has moments. I mean, it recently won a large modern tournament. I run this one, the star city games one that they had a little bit ago. Or not. Who was that? Oh, won the mana trader series. The last time oh, yeah. there was a modern mana trader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool deck. I mean, the real reason stand that I didn't ever play this deck is Vengevine was like $25 and I didn't have them. Yeah. And I was just going to like drop a hundred bucks on Vengevines. Exactly. All right. So we're going to stop here. Let's do some shout outs real quick and then get back into it. All right, we got to get back into it. Deck 17. Thalia Stompy. All right, a deck that I really like. Now, we did get some time to talk about this a couple weeks ago on our Mono White Taxes episode as a callback. Remember, this is the Thalia deck, the Taxes deck, essentially, that leaned really hard into how to get two mana on turn one so that you could play a two mana hate piece like Lean and Arbiter, like Chalice on one, like Thalia, things like that. Um, really fun deck. I enjoyed it a lot going from this to a turn to TKS sometimes or uh, into a really early reality smasher was just a great way to win. Dave, is this like, besides our testing of uh, red prison, is this like your only chalice deck you've ever really played? Uh, we did. I played Eldrazi Tron as well. Oh yeah. 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 That counts. Mm. But, but this is the one that I like the most because it's a little bit more, it doesn't have Tron lands in it. You guys know, I don't like Tron lands. So I don't know why. Oh no. I, I clicked the next slide. That's all right. Grishel brand. Uh, I'm going to take this one. Going to go through it fast. This is a deck that when someone plays it against me in paper, I still have no idea if they're cheating or not. I'm just going to be totally right. honest right? with this deck. Uh, it's also weirdly like I don't know why it's it's kind of like on the wane. It's, it has some moments where it's super powerful, you know, being able to cheat Grizzlebrand into play. It's probably mostly been outmoded by Neoform, I would guess. And so, but this deck was a staple of like early non-interactive kind of the most non-interactive combo decks that you can think of Didn't and faithless just... looting got rid of it too yes thank you turtle power yeah turtle power took I the words remember, from out of me i remember the first time 
that I played against this deck, and it was at I mean I mean Dave, it's uh remember when we played I played a game storm all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So playing a game storm uh, just on a regular old LGS night, you know, sub one uh, goes off on turn two against me. I think two games in a row, and I was just like. Oh, this is what people say when they like, you know, this is busted. I need this to be banned immediately. Right. And like, of course, it's like every other game, they probably are like, well, it's bricked again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Up next, it's mill time. Can I, can I spill that you had this in your top 25? Yes, I did. And I stand by that. The library burn deck now with eight crabs. So the thing that I love about mill is that it's an engine based control deck full of very creative and unique ways to punish opponents that are just playing magic. But then sometimes it gets completely destroyed because you put an uncastable Gaia's Blessing in your sideboard. And that's Mill. That said, I kind of think it might be the best true uh, Demir deck in Modern's history. Change my mind, chat, if you dare. Wow. And, and you know why I put it in my top 25 is because it's been around forever and it will remain around forever. And then one day it'll get like its 12th crab and it'll actually be an unstoppable tier one powerhouse until, you know, guy's blessing happens again. All right. Uh, 20 out of 75, we have uh, Urosa. And so if I'm being like really honest, like this isn't really drastically that different from like the Oko Urza mid-range-ish control-ish style decks. But it's just like what those decks became after a bunch of cards got banned. You can replace Oko with Uro. I mean, I guess you're just swapping one crazy card for another. Uh, Maybe go four color, add Omnath. Like maybe blink some stuff with Yorian. Like why not, right? Like let's Urza, Oro, I mean Oko whatever yeah to me this is just the first time we're going to talk about uro tonight and the first time we're going to talk about urza and there's many more moments for both coming up urza neo brand yeah neo brand the only thing that i can think of when i see this deck is no no not like this Yeah, this it's like basically it's basically the new Grizzle brand, right? Where it's just like, oh crap. Yeah, I'm glad I can. Uh, I'm glad that we get to talk about Grizzle brand and Neo brand so close together because I'd like to forget that either one of them exists. Although, you know, just remember that there's always going to be people wanting to break the the demon. What's his name? Grizzle. Grizzle brand. Grizzle brand. Grizzle brand. Suddenly, I totally forgot his name for a minute. Which it's in the decks. Uh, anyway, so I've only seen this deck a couple of times for all the shirt rending that's gone over Neo Brand in like two years. But, you know, it's probably another one of those decks that's one card away from being really broken and getting and eaten a ban. I mean, it's funny that this is sort of like there's, there's this is sideways moved into like the oops all spells style decks too. Yep. It's a good card. It's cheap. I mean, it's two mana. So that's good enough. The perfect yep. CMC, in my opinion. Exactly. All right, next. Bant Snow Control. So thinking about this deck, what stood out as kind of wild to me was when this deck was around, because of Astrolabe, many modern players, myself included, kind of convinced ourselves that this was fine, and playing four or five colors of magic in a deck full of basic lands was perfectly normal. Totally normal. Everything is healthy here. Um, and and we, we talked about that era as a relatively healthy modern period of time, and I wonder if Perhaps part of that had to do is just because like Ponza was around to maybe help clean up the mess is sort of the tail end of the Astrolabe era. But also one could argue that this deck got Astrolabe banned mm-hmm. um, or contributed to it strongly. And I also suspect we're much happier now for it. 
Absolutely. Astrolabe was just always going to be there waiting to be broken. So glad it's gone. Sorry to Urza and sorry to Snow Control, but that's what it is. Bye, Astrolabe. Uh, another one of our snow decks. Remember when playing Snowlands was weird? Like, this is one of like my sort of favorite deck dives you've ever done. We didn't really quite do Scred Red Prison, but we did Red Prison. One of the most high rolly decks and like a series of high rolly decks that I have loved to play. Like, turn one, four drop. Why not? How could you hate doing that? Like, oh, okay. So I spent three cards to get there. Yep. I'm the one with the Chandra on turn one. Okay. Um, you scred red, red prison, whatever you want to call it, or whatever variant you want to play. It's like a sweet way to power out early planeswalkers, lock your opponent out of the game. Uh, fun deck. Uh, shout out to our old co-host Zach for always bringing decks like this to every tournament and doing quite well with them. Yeah, he walked the path of mastery for sure. Shane, what was your favorite three or four drop to play on turn one when when we played Blood Moon? You like the Blood turn Moon? one Blood Moon? Blood Moon. I really like the turn one goblin rabble master. <laughs> I mean, that's hard to resist the allure. I like the turn one Chandra torture defiance. Not going to lie. Had that happen a couple times. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, I mean, actually really turn one Karn, honestly. Yeah, it was so. good too. All Ding. right. Stan. Hey, I'm, I'm going to steal this from you, Stan. I'm not going to steal it. You are? No, I'm not. My elf deck should be around here somewhere. I don't know where it is. I love elves. My sweet babies. I still goldfish this deck all the time. I jam it against friends every once in a while. Literally, the last cards I bought in paper was a pair of Yixlid Jailers because I started working on my sideboard for green black elves and I wanted it to just be it's like a, sweet card. a toolbox creature sideboard with quarter calling and no non creature spells. I don't know. I want this deck to be good. I'm worried it maybe never will be, and I have some thoughts uh, later on why it may never be good again, but it lives on in other formats. It's good in Legacy. It might be good in like Historic. It's not good in Pioneer, and I think I have to be okay with that. Here's a weird one. At deck number 25, one quarter of the way through the night. We got there. We got there. Uh, indomitable creativity dot deck. Indomitable? Indomitable. Indomitable. Indomitable? Indomitable. Yes. You know, just another way to, with this and Polymorph, just another way to treat Emrakul into play. Uh, the thing that's really interesting about these builds, of course, is that they use the fetch mechanic to get a card I never thought would be a powerful card in modern, Dwarven Mine. It's the card that from Eldraine that makes a 1-1 when you uh, fetch it similar to Mystic Sanctuary. It's part of that cycle. Not as format-defining as Mystic Sanctuary, but there you go. D- did we actually get to the point where Dwarven Mine was powerful in modern? Just <laughs> no, I'm just spelling through it. Let's <laughs> <Okay>. go. <laughs> Ooh, Dave, you gotta you gotta roll with this one, my friend. Yes. Mardu Pyromancer. So this is the first deck that I played that showed the power of Bedlam Reveler to me, and also weirdly, the power of Faithless Looting to me. The only deck slower, the only mid-range deck slower than Obzon. <laughs> exactly. It was like, how slow do you want to go? You're just gonna like try to do stuff until you get to cast Bedlam Reveler. I I did really enjoy playing this deck. Um it was funny because it was what led me to really understand how fast Arclight Phoenix was going to be good once I saw just how good Faithless Looting was. And unfortunately, you know, Mardu Pyromancer sort of died for Is Phoenixes and other, so many other broken decks' yeah. sins with the Faithless Looting band. Um, I think there's always going to be other Racto shells that can maybe make some of this stuff happen, you know, but um, we may not see its like again for a while. Great deck, though. Good design. 
All right, I'm up. Speaking of another red black deck, yeah, from a, a Dave deck into a stand deck, right? And and losing this deck to the ban of Faithless Looting probably hurts me more than losing Is It Phoenix, believe it or not, because. Ooh. Unearth plus Skelemental is, in my opinion, even more fun than Bolt Snap Bolt. Skelemental! <laughs> we, we haven't heard that pitch in a long time. I miss it. At least, if nothing else, Seasoned Pyromancer is still good in other decks, but never forget that this was Old Peasy's first home. That's right. I mean, that was the first deck that kind of showed the power of that card. I mean, people were playing around with it. The other card, of course, that's big in here is Unearth, which is beautiful. Yeah. Unearth is one of those cards that, like, it's it's so good for the mana cost, but only works in some archetypes and only at certain times. It's just, like, it's a, it's a great card that we have access to now, but it didn't kind of blow open the format in ways that I might have hoped. I got Brian from the Serum Visions podcast in chat saying that uh, they're going to bring this deck back. So please do. Good luck. Skelemental bring back. Okay, Kiki Court, I'll do this. Did any of us ever play this deck? I'm not sure. Nope. Not really. This deck always seemed too difficult to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's just another one on the series of like post birthing pod, post splinter twin, like a little bit of like value cord type stuff. It's like, I mean, are we ever going to play this? Is anyone ever going to play this deck ever again? Besides Jeff Hoagland? I don't know. Chat is all in agreement that this deck sucks. <laughs> it's fascinating. Everybody's angry about it. <laughs> yeah. This isn't in the top 25, so don't worry. We're just we're archiving history here right now. Let's get out of here before everyone tunes out. Exactly. It was a deck that existed. Kiki and Cord were in the same deck at some point in the history. We're going to keep make, looking for ways to make Kiki Jiki work is what this is. Okay, I'm going to talk about two decks side by side and try to get two dings out of Dave. First one, Through the Breach. To me, this is a control deck. It's usually red-blue. I see it as a Blue Moon variant, basically. Um, and you play control, and then you cheat in an Emrakul. That's easy. Ding. <laughs> the next deck. Ooh. This one is Titan Breach. Stan, can I, can I, can I say, I'm going to peel back the curtain a little bit. We we had Seismic Loam in this deck spot, <laughs> and which is also not a real deck, by the way. And and Stan was like, "Look, Titan Breach is significantly different enough." We we didn't have any arguments really about our, our hundred list. We had we had a few interesting discussions where we were like, "This deck sucks, delete it," and then, <laughs> or like, "Or this deck's not that different, or it's different enough." Basically, yeah. And and Titan Breach, unlike the previous deck, to me, this is the ramp strategy. It's red green, um, and it uses Breach for all sorts of stuff, not just Emrakuls, also Primeval Titans, Woodfall Primus, um, and where the other deck is a Blue Moon variant, this is like a Valakut Scapeshift variant. That's all you got to know. Can I get another ding? All right, we're after thirty. Um, I also want to mention. Uh, for people listening after the fact that uh, I'm going to keep the donations open through next Sunday. So the episode will be live on Friday. Uh, if you download this and you're like, oh, I can donate. So you can donate Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, maybe end of Sunday. I'll, uh, I'll end the campaign. So if you're hearing this, uh, we would love to have your donation. You don't have to be doing it live, although we do appreciate these live donations. 
right, next deck, Mono White Taxes. We just talked about this deck uh, like two episodes ago. If Legacy was a meal kit, modern Mono White Taxes is kind of like your DIY recipe for strip mining people. <laughs> I except, love it. Except it weirdly calls for a lot of sour cream. And you're like, I just thought I was making waffles. And that's taxes for you. If you want to hear more about sour cream, listen to episode 98. It's very sour. Oh, man, rem- remember this. Snoop combo goblins deck 32 didn't really turn out the way that we thought with this did it i mean i think that this is you know a lot of people had a lot of faith in this deck being like really tierish and i just don't think that it 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 got to the level of the new splinter twin obviously the engine's still powerful the different pieces let you do a lot of searching and things like that but turned out didn't really need to be be banned or nerfed or anything like that it's not even really showing up at this point i still think it's a cool deck though it's a very cool deck. It operates in a way that not a lot of other decks do. Like, I mean, Snoop looking at the top card of the library is different than other ways that combos are formed. So that's pretty cool. It's fun to like sort of set up the top of your deck and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's sweet. And like, it's, it's a different way to play goblins. And I think that's pretty rad. Orzov tokens. Another one. In my personal list of not good decks that you used to always see at the local game store now and then in 2015. So, Orzov tokens, cheap to build. You get to put a bunch of permanents onto the board. What's not to love about playing this deck? Like, some people just love making tokens. Yeah, and don't forget, this was the deck that was the only modern event deck that was ever sold. Was a, That's true. a base level deck for Orzov tokens. Get your reasonably priced Marsh Flats for a minute. Like, and, and at this point, the rate on most of these cards in this deck is just not there. But every once in a while, token seems to have a resurgence. Stan, remember that token deck from just a few months ago? Yeah. And people were like, people were like just going crazy about it. Yeah, that was a Loxodon deck. So there was like no Sorens. Um, it didn't have, what what's Lingering Souls? It didn't have Lingering Souls. That was just a bad. Whew, that's not a token deck. It was a bad deck that could just beat Etron, and I did. <laughs> All right, Stoneblade is next. Not in our top 25. Kind of weird. There's so many ways to build Stoneblade these, these days. And rather than hastily trying to talk about Orozov and Azorius and Jeskai and whatever other color combo wants to play this one, six or seven card package, can we just take a moment to appreciate that Wizards of the Coast unbanned Stoneforge Mystic and Modern, and the format is generally better off with her around. Yeah, I agree with that. I think this is a good time also, Stan, to mention that we bucketed a lot of decks like this because we wanted to cast a wider net. And so when we, you know, you know, there, of course, was like Jeskai Stoneblade and Blue White Stoneblade and what Mardu, probably Mardu and stuff like that. And there's, of course, Grixis Death Shadow and Jun Death Shadow. We do have one other variant of this in the list later, but it's very different. So, yeah. So like we, you know, we, we consolidated stuff where we wanted to, we, we, we were more granular. We wanted to, it's our, it's our podcast. (laughs) We will be like, yeah. Remember, this is just our, uh, these are our rankings. Let's see yeah. what's at 35. <laughs> so this is like, this is our first sort of rule of eight deck that I can think of, right? Where it's like, okay, we had sort of as foretold restore balance style decks or things like that, but, or just restore balance decks in general. But when you have both as foretold and electrodominance, 
that allows you to cast suspend spells for a dramatically reduced cost, right? Or basically free. And like, and then with the, like whatever the, the rhino rhino pile card from modern horizons sort of made this deck reappear for a bit. I think the juice isn't really worth the squeeze on this one in the end, which is why you don't see it too much, but it's a, it's a fun deck for people who want to cheat out suspend spells. Merfolk. <laughs> oh man. Okay. You knew it was going to be here somewhere. I mean, this has mostly been replaced at the top tournament tables with other tribal aggro decks, but it sticks around, right? It's always going to be in like the 5-0 list. You might see it um, at your LGS even by like the, you know, the true heads out there, but it's a potent disruptive aggro tempo deck. And that, you know, you get cheap creatures, you get Lords, you get Aether Vial, you get some disruption and try to overwhelm your opponent. Like spreading seas and Island walk is still a good combo. There you go. Shane, keep it going. Oh, man. Okay, fine. Uh, Rule of eight rears its head again with SRAMOs. Uh, SRAM was printed and gave people eight pure steel paladin effects. And if so, pure steel paladin, I think, is white, white. And uh, if you cast an artifact, you get to draw a card, right? And, and so SRAM also has a similar clause. You cast a bunch of zero mana nonsense artifacts with one of these cards on the battlefield. You draw through your deck, cast more zero mana artifacts, and like you sort of storm off to eventually kill your opponent with a grape shot. And this is, I mean, when it's there, it's a reliable turn two, turn three deck. Yeah, I mean the other big problem with this deck is that Mox Opal was banned, and so yes, you don't yes, really get yes. to you don't get to do it the way that you used to anymore. And so that's part of the reason that this deck is shelved. Actually, probably a pretty huge amount of it. But yeah, I tell you what, I've lost to it enough times in in uh, paper and things like that to uh, remember it not so fondly. Hey, elementals! <laughs> <laughs> we told you there'd be more. That's right, elementals. So I know that this deck exists. Uh, I know that it's five colors. I know it includes several cards that all three of us absolutely love, including Skelemental, Risen Reef, a perennial favorite of Dave's, Aether Vial. Uh, but I also pretty much cannot tell you what actually makes this deck good, but I think it's probably card advantage. This is one that we definitely would put on the list for decks to keep an eye on to see if it ever gets even better than where it is now. I know that there are some people who really like to play with and brew around this strategy, uh, and we'll see. Aether Vial decks can always become really good quickly if they get the right card. Yeah, my, my estimation is that this is the deck you play when you want to play a tribal Aether Vial synergistic creature deck, but humans is just too civilian for you. So, Stan... We have another Aether Vial tribal deck here next for you to talk about. Yeah. You know why we left this for you. I'm I'm not sure why this deck was left for me. I've actually never piloted this deck while it was in Modern. Yeah, but look at the card. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, what's that card? Uh, spell, uh, Quill. Quiller. Quailer. Spell Queller. I'll attempt to quell this spell. Love that card. Not this deck as much, but I do remember feeling amazing one time when I got to beat it in round one of a Nerd Rage tournament while I was on Mono Red Phoenix. And the lesson that stuck with me, which may or may not have been a real lesson, was that I almost lost because I sided in Blood Moon. And it kind of turned out that Blood Moon might not be as powerful against spirits as it is against humans, which is kind of what I thought would happen if I played Blood Moon against spirits. 
Very small sample size, uh, but play Spirits if you're looking for a tribal deck that can beat Blood Moon. Yeah, I loved this deck. I didn't realize that you had not piloted this and you had only piloted it in Pioneer Stand, which is part of why I left it. I played this deck a good amount towards the end of 2019, around the same time we started the podcast, just before, right before Is It Phoenix started. This deck is sweet. And yes, the blue-white version chat is also really sweet. Unfortunately, we did kind of roll it in with this deck. Um, but you know what? There, There's always going to be a u- universes for this deck to work. And we talked about it in the past in our kind of Aether Vial comparison decks where um, we were talking about like humans and, meta- uh, humans and spirits are good in different pieces of the meta. Okay, this one's near and dear to my heart. This is so this is in between the era of like the birthing pod decks I never really got to play. And then the more contemporary devoted druid decks, there was Obzon Company. Okay, so Obzon Company was like, how many different sort of toolkits of creatures can I combine to do cool stuff? Like I can make a, a zillion life. I can make my creatures have a billion plus one plus one counters. I can scry through my whole deck and like set up a crazy like uh, murderous red cap. You can do all sorts of stuff, right? And so, like, this was powered by Malira and Anafenza to not get negative one, negative one counters, like, on your persist stuff. But then Vizier of Remedies got printed, and this version was basically out of the picture. We might talk about that version later. Up next is Winoda. Remember? Guys, remember Winoda? Whatever happened to Winoda? I mean, Lawson is still... If Lawson is still here in the chat, I know it's still a deck that he brews around with and, and gets some wins with. I don't remember feeling like it was great the couple of times I tried it in Modern, but it's also just sort of not my style deck. Well, I remember loving it and thinking it was like this sweet, explosive, brand new deck to enter Modern, and then it's kind of all but disappeared, and I'm guessing it just can't keep up with either Prowess, Uro, or Primeval Titan, or all of the above. I mean, it does have Magus of the Moon, but Dryad of the Lesion Grove, I guess, kind of beats Magus now, too. Sometimes. Depending. An aggressive ding. I'll take it, Dave. That was like the orchestra playing playing off the person on, on the Academy Awards. We can do it for this one, too. Hey, it's Living End. <laughs> Living End. Deck 42 on our list of random 75 before we make the cut to our quote-unquote Hall of Fame. Uh, everybody knows Living End. You know, it's a deck that I mostly would point out to say... I couldn't. I did some research about early modern as part of getting read for this episode, and I could not believe how er- this deck was on the scene basically as soon as modern started. And it's been here almost the whole time. It's been largely unchanged almost the whole time, and uh, still pops up very occasionally. It doesn't pop up that much anymore, but you know, it didn't disappear until probably a year or two ago. So, living end. Don't forget about it. Something <laughs> cycling tribal. Yep. Super friends. So who, hold on, who put this deck on the list? When I saw me, this on the list me. and all of your notes, I was I like, okay. It's I, me. I was like, what is this deck though? Like, what, what is this okay, deck? Well, here, the reason it's on my list, okay? The reason it's on my list is I will never forget playing again at, at uh, I think it was at a Chicago game store, actually. This was, this was when I had moved um, away from, out of Downers and into uh, Chicago proper. And this person brought like a doubling season Planeswalker deck and uh they actually i was like what a joke and they won and i was like that's pretty sick and so super super friends has taken super friends is any deck that's a pile of planeswalkers right like do you like controlling games do you want to control games with planeswalkers 
Because like, and planeswalkers just get better. They just get more powerful. They just have lower casting costs. These decks have become more and more interesting. You add in like Yorian to blink them, like reset their loyalty. So you get to minus them once or twice. And then Yorian to, to blink them back to their, their starting loyalty. I mean, like there's been variants of this deck for years. Like you have those like Jenny style doubling season strategies. You have more contemporary controlling builds. Every time I think to myself, that's a lot of planeswalkers. <laughs> You know what I have to say about this deck? All right, next up, Reclamation. So this is another deck that we sort of put together into several several archetypes in one bucket. Early on, people thought that Wilderness... I mean, obviously, these are all the decks built around Wilderness Reclamation. We all know what Wilderness Reclamation does. It lets you like reuse a whole bunch of your mana all the time uh, and do super annoying things like cast big, giant expansion explosions, uh, you know, do other other things like cast mystical teachings. It's uh, clearly more powerful in pioneer and standard, but um, also came up in modern a few times. Started out as Sultai, Sultai teachings. You got to do some interesting stuff with Nexus of Fate, and then you occasionally see stuff like with Teamer and other things like that as well. That same tournament where I beat spirits with a poorly played Blood Moon. I got kicked out of cash contention by someone playing Sultai Wreck with Mystical Teachings. And again, I'm on prowess, so I should have like killed them by turn three, but <laughs> I didn't. So then once we got to turn four and they cast Reclamation, they just uh, Nexus have faded me to death. And yep. I've never forgiven them. I still think that someday Wilderness Reclamation will kill us all. Lantern Control is deck 45. Remember the days of your everyone before KCI when like this was the artifact based deck people wanted to have something banned out of like so like you know control controlling your jaw draws leaving me with nothing of value to cast like I think the most important thing when you're playing against this deck is no one to concede yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a, yet another deck where you're like war of invention how can you be so bad but so good it's like it's 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 such an innocuous looking ridiculous looking card and you're like oh this this card rules yeah <laughs> another casualty of mox opal no doubt demir fairies oh yeah so i wrote about this one because no one else did <laughs> bitter blossom ninja of deep hours spell starter sprite is ninja always in this i no. think so sometimes <laughs> It's at least sometimes in it. This is like Bitter Blossom Control, right? Yeah. The uh, interesting thing to me about this is that this was always really, and I'm trying to remember the name of the player that that played this deck all the time. Right. Um, yeah. But it was a more out of Japan, right? Yes. It was more Demir Control with a fairies package in it than it is a tribal deck. Um, it, it's funny so. you should you should say that it's Control because I sort of saw it as like a tempo deck that's got some of these like cheap creatures. It's got a little removal, a little hand disruption, a little counter magic, but it's all very, very low to the ground. Little fairy-sized doses of each of those ingredients. Personally, I would not recommend this deck, but like there are people, including this unnamed pro, who appear to love it, so more power to them. Uh, if you're listening out there and you want us to give Demir Fairies a fair shake, I'm just going to tell you right now, you will have to pay us. <laughs> <laughs> Like this is a fifteen dollar patron tier deck. I believe it's it's Yuta Takahashi is the player who who was playing it a lot. All right, Dave, another made up Dave deck. <laughs> I just wanted people to remember. So the next deck here is Naya Boom Bust. I just wanted people to or Naya Lightsaber. 
this was a standard deck that was really, really big back in the day. And I just wanted people to remember there were moments in modern where Naya was a good value combination because you got to play Bolt Path and Elspeth Errant Knight and Bloodbraid Elf. And it's just not like a thing anymore. But at the beginning of, of modern, this was a deck that came up frequently and it was at the top tables quite often piloted by good players. Good mid-range strategy that was just different than where, where John, it might have been outmoded by John essentially is kind of where it went, but. Where does it get the lightsaber nomenclature? So the original, so I just kind of took that from the original <laughs> uh, deck designer of this was Mike Flores for a standard pro tour. And this deck is just very similar to what it was. This is a modern podcast. Yes, but it's a similar deck with the similar cards once they went into modern. But goodbye. Not more. We don't need to talk about it more than that. <laughs> Just remember, Naya used to be good. My favorite quad-sleeved, all-foil, <laughs> tournament-winning deck. Yeah. Taking, taking turns. turns. So I think this is a blue-red control deck. This is like, it's a mono-blue? Yeah, it's generally mono-blue, although the pilot who is really well-known for playing this deck, the quad-sleeve guy, Daniel Wong, has done lots of different things in the ensuing years. There's been Teamer, there's been some other stuff going on with it as well. Yeah, but I could yes. have sworn I saw a version with, like, Is It Charms? Maybe. D- doesn't matter. The point is, it's it's one of those decks that, like, only one player in the world pilots it, and they always do very well with it, and everyone knows them for, for this deck. Shout out Daniel Wong. I love playing control, but control decks already take forever. So how much more time do you want from me, deck? This deck is too long. Next deck. All right. Up next, a newer deck. Oops. Uh, This deck's pretty good. Oops, all spells dredge. So what happens when you combine busted mana acceleration with spells that do crazy stuff when you don't have lands in your deck? And you have a combo deck, but the combo is basically cast the spell. Right, like, not a, it wasn't in reality in modern until Zendikar Rising gave us the flippy lands, uh, and so these decks have kind of burst onto the scene, and looks like they're here to stay, more or less. Like they're they're not they're not taking over the meta, I think, but they're they're around and they're going to do something kind of broken for at least a while. Cool. All right, up next, Sahili Combo. There's a couple versions of this deck as well that we all rolled in because there's like the straight Jeskai version. There's a four color version, splashing green. Here's my issue: Splinter Twin gets worse when you have to worry about supporting more than two colors. So until this gets a tool that's not only powerful but maybe like actually broken. I don't see this becoming a very long-term tier one contender. Uh, and look no further than just the last month of Modern when Canister won a challenge with this deck and it got a little more popular and yet still isn't so dominant and present that we feel the need to talk about it every week. So banned Canister. Yeah, banned, banned and Pioneer, but not good enough for Modern is like the, the TLDR on this deck. Heliod devotion hey similar notes on this one yeah so can i take 15 minutes real quick to describe in meticulous detail all the lines and combos and magic online tips necessary to pilot this successfully we got we got time all right okay cool i'd rather actually take 15 minutes to talk about why magic online needs to implement a proper combo loop functionality infinite life infinite damage all you need to know about this deck but the important nuance that drives people up the wall is that it plays differently online than it does in paper and that is why magic the gathering is a bad video game but the best card game 
True. We did see some, uh, so it's topical right now too, right? You, you guys look at Twitter yesterday. You look at Twitter on Friday night. All right, next. <laughs> I don't know what Twitter is. It's a microblogging platform. Next deck on here. Deck 52, Blue Tron. I don't know what to say about Blue Tron. <laughs> really, uh, it's just a, it's a di- totally different take on how to get big mana out and power out giant condescends, apparently. <laughs> so where Green Tron is, I think we would describe Green Tron as a tap out control strategy. Blue Tron is a draw goat control strategy. And that's it. Cloud Post. Dave, this is another one for the true heads of modern. Yeah, I had to get some more historical stuff in here. So this is one of the early banned decks. And since we were just talking about big mana with Blue Tron, this is the original big mana deck for modern as far as I'm concerned. It was before Valakit was unbanned. It was before Tron Tron really took off. We had the Locust Lands featuring specifically Cloud Post that could make giant amounts of mana and play Emrakul. And this is another deck that placed well in the first modern Pro Tour. OG, OG modern. That's right. Okay, quick question. H- help me understand. I've always had this question, but I've always been too embarrassed to ask. Why does like that land that taps for X, however many locusts you control, this isn't a deck full of locusts? What does locusts have to do with anything? So it ha- there are eight locusts. So it's a, it's a land type. Okay. Lo- yeah, loci, I guess. So there's four. you would have four cloud post and four glimmer post. And glimmer post just gave you a life, but it counted as a locust. And then cloud post is a locust, but taps for mana equal to the number of locusts you have in play. So they make more mana than Urza lands do, basically, once you get a few of them out into play. So if you get two cloud posts and you have four four total loci out, you have two cloud posts, two glimmer posts, then all of a sudden you have eight, uh, ten, uh, 10 mana available with four lands, which is kind of Tronish, but if you have three cloud posts, then it goes even wilder from there. So banned, though, it ate a ban. I mean, I got to say also, it, the, the art the art on Cloud Post is so spooky. It really is. Spooky, scary. That's a nice one. I could see that like on the wall of a dentist or an optometrist's office. <laughs> Have you checked your loci lately? Is it Wizards? Uh, I played this deck once upon a time. I, I sleeved it up for the LGS. And you know what? I did fairly well with it. But my favorite thing about Is It Wizards is I love how much Shane hates that I love this deck. <laughs> Shane hates this deck. He gets mad when I play it. Wizard's Lightning, not a good card, according to Shane. Nibble Obstructionist. Oh, yeah, that was the real... A card that exists. The real... Uh... Nibble Obstructionist count one. Hey, guess what? That was in Bluetron, too. Uh, I guess I typed notes for this one, too. So another Oops All Spells deck. This, this time it's a Charbelcher one. Uh, I mean, Goblin Charbelcher was one of those cards that I think was, what, it was, are those decks in Legacy any good? I don't even know. But until Zendikar Rising came out with those flippy lands, uh, this deck was not possible. It's kind of like Oops All Spells, but this time the combo is cast and then activate Goblin Charbelcher. So it's like, this was another one of those decks where it's like, oh crap, are they going to have to ban insert payoff card here deck, right? And I think it still waits to be seen. Could happen. Somebody, there could be an enabler that gets printed that makes it better, or somebody could figure out a build that makes it work better than it does right now. And it, it is the potential to be powerful the same way that Neoform is the potential to do some really broken stuff. So, ding me off, keyboard cat. All right, here it is again the Uro pile. Ur- Uro piles, just broadly. And I hate, man, they're so hard to get rid of. They are hard to get rid of. And the chat is going wild saying they hate Uro. Guess what? 
Here's the thing about Arrow. You may remember that like five episodes or so, we did a little episode called, if we did it for science, the Titanic power of Uro and Omnath, because all of us went in hating Uro, hating it. And we all came out changed from that experience. Changed and, men. And recognizing darkness inside of us that we could love Uro or at least enjoy it and play it occasionally and set it aside. But they're clearly strong. And uh, they're going to be around for a long time. And so people want bans. Maybe it'll happen. I don't know. Can I share my hot take? I, I want Primeval Titan banned before Uro. Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right. This deck, this deck is a cool deck. Um, another modern combo deck, Knight of the Reliquary combo. So you, you combo up. None of the reliquaries tap to fetch up a land ability with retreat to Coral Helm's landfall trigger, and that untaps your knight. And so you do that a lot, and then you make a gigantic knight, and then you get a Kessig Wolf run, and then you power it through whatever your opponent had waiting for you on the other side. Does this sound janky? It kind of is. <laughs> Doesn't this, doesn't this deck have a, a cooler name that it also goes by, like Nightfall? Yeah, not, yeah, Nightfall. Yeah, because it's a Night Landfall. Nightfall is cooler. Definitely, like, definitely Batman vibes. What a cool name for a, a weird deck. Love it. What a cool name for a Bant deck. Eight whack. When you really, really have to cast Goblin Grenade, you play <laughs> Goblins. I mean, this deck is a LGS All Star. I feel oh, yeah. like it's the type of deck that I lose to all the time. You will always, if there's a nine-year-old at your LGS, you're going to see a turn one Foundry Street Denizen. Come on, Shane. It's a much <laughs> better deck than that. Well, Goblins, Goblins is cool. Goblins is cool because you can build like a fast one. You can build like a grindy one. Like the, the cards in Modern Horizons added like additional options to the way that Goblins could be played. I mean, even Conspicuous Snoop has added ways that goblins can be played in a different way. So I think that that's fun. Uh, we can go fast or have a long game. It's like, you know, it's, it's fun to have cheap aggro decks in a format. Yeah. And you get to cast goblin grenade. Yeah. I think it's a great point. It's good. You know, Mickey in the chat just mentioned that it's a modern budget deck. And I think that's great. It is competitive. You can do a lot of stuff with it, but there's there so go. many modern budget decks. Now green Tron is a budget deck. Well, it's totally different budget than eight. That's WAC. a different budget, my friend. What? Who doesn't have five five hundred bucks? Get another student loan. <laughs> wow. Blue moon, I saw Stan standing alone. What? I don't know this deck. What deck is this? I don't know. Is that any good? Stan, Stan's Stan giving me the ding. Uh, I'm, uh, not right, get, I'm not. I'm not doing it. This right. is this is your baby. Blue Go. moon, uh, my favorite control deck. Sometimes, if I feel like playing lightning bolt, bolt snap bolt. Uh, Crypto Command and Blood Moon in the same deck. How, how do you do that? I don't know. I pulled it off a couple times. That was cool. Archmage's Charm, Cease Play here, Thing in the Ice. Used to love that card. Then it got really good with Izzet Phoenix, and then Izzet Phoenix got banned. Now Thing in the Ice isn't as good. Other ways to play at Blue Moon. I can really just like stream of conscious this forever until I hear a ding. I'm just going to keep talking about blue red spells. <laughs> All right. Another one for the old heads. Did you guys know that Doran the Siege whatever was in a, a Pro Tour deck for Modern a few times? No. I've lost to it. I mean... And it always hurts. Walls is a thing. Like, Walls is a thing. This is much pre-Walls, though. This is not like Assault Formation or any of that kind of stuff. This is just like an Abzan value shell with with Doran in it for powering punch. 
It really, it really existed. I'm just saying this is like a 2015, uh, probably 2013 deck. And yes, I am trolling a little bit with these decks, but it's important to remember it's not always the decks that we have right now that really helped define the beginning of the format. There were a lot yeah. more green white decks. Ooh. Sometimes I forget to ring my own bell. Sorry. Jaruda? <laughs> Garuda? Guys, Garuda combo. Uh, Guys, Ruda? This is a heartbreaker. I mean, a little bit. This deck was something that people were complaining about, similar to Snoop, where it was like people complained about it for like two weeks, and then they ratted the companions, and then the deck doesn't really work anymore. But I sure had fun losing a whole bunch of matches trying to kill people with... Uh, <laughs> with what's the uh, Coligan and Garuda and Spark Double. Remember when they had to like turn off magic online because the deck wasn't good enough? Oh yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like, like, it, like it was like, this shouldn't work as good against it. We have to stop magic online. Yeah. There was a problem with it. You know what? Goodbye, Garuda. All right. Uh, green, white, uh, Selesnia, Eldrazi. I can't really think of a deck. I can't think of a deck in the past few years that has had such a rise and fall as quickly as this deck. And 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 not for like a ban or anything like that. Like if you don't remember this deck, it's basically I think it was Ryan Overturf who kind of just brewed this up after Stoneforge got unbanned. It was kind of a mashup of like Karn the Great Creator, Eldrazi, and Stoneforge Mystic into one happy uh contemporary nuclear family. Is it Bant Eldrazi? Is it Stoneblade? Is it everything? Like it saw like some quick success. Uh, and then it was basically kind of gone, and other Stoneblade-style decks seemed to take over. Yeah, I mean, Ali Warfield piloted this to the top eight of a GP, I think. That's true. Yeah, great, great results with, with this deck for a minute there. I think she was in the finals, if not the winning team with this Oh, it was a deck. team one. She, there was yeah. a team performance, too, as yeah. part of it, yeah. But this is a good deck. It was a good deck, and maybe it'll be back again some other time. Closing out our random 75. We're at 63. And we're getting close to our top 25 when the chat is really going to get angry. I can't wait. This is what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the takes mm-hmm. in our top 25. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do we have? Me me again. Okay. Hardened scales. So this is kind of like a late era version of Affinity that could create... What I like, what I like the best about this deck is it create create wins out of nowhere. Like Hardened scales... Gets you that extra plus one plus counter on anything that receives one or more counters of that type, right? So you combine that with like modular steel overseer triggers. You have all these counters being placed everywhere and skilled pilots could make these wins out of thin air through weird interactions. And like, just like if, if the opponent didn't know what they could do or they had the optionality to do, like they could just be like, Oh, well, I guess I'm dead. Another Mox Opal casualty. Yeah, I do think this is a deck that still has some potential to come back, but that Mox Opal loss was so huge for both Affinity and this version of the deck that I think it's just going to be really, it's going to be tough. But powerful engine, still. All right, Boros Equipment. This was a deck. Another Infect deck, in my estimation. (laughs) Yeah, basically. We call it Equipment, but it's really a Colossus Hammer deck, if I do say so myself. And also, one time, didn't we make Everett play this on, on the Aspiring Spike stream? Yeah, I, uh, it was a donation deck, yeah. Another Luris deck that actually kind of endured the companion errata because it didn't really require Luris to be good. Luris just made it 
like brazilian uh but it can still like win on turn three if not turn four so sometimes you would just win before luris would even hit the ground probably dies hard to prowess and that's why we don't see a lot of it these days but boros equipment part of me goes out to you the new uh nahiri didn't make it in there i really thought it would but oh well i was wrong before and i'll be wrong again just look at that big hammer Okay, Grixis Delver. Not sure why I'm talking about Grixis Delver. Yeah, me neither. I don't. I don't know why why you're talking about it either. I don't play decks like this, but maybe I should. Like it's this is exactly the type of deck you should never ever play, <laughs> Shane. Shane. Yeah. Anytime someone tells you something is a tempo deck, you should turn the you should go to another deck list because this is not going to be your thing. I mean, it's just like Delver is just one of those cards in in modern that's never really been great. And okay, I'm I'm sure people can be like, let's look at this, let's look at this, look at this. It's never been as great as it has been, at least in Legacy. And Legacy just kind of supports this card better, right? Um, so like, imagine I post that meme of like that the anime guy with the glasses with the butterfly, and he's like, "Is this tempo? Yeah, (laughs) like, is this what tempo is?" Um, I mean, look, this deck has potential, right? Like, there's good Grixis spells, there's good creatures in those colors. I'm not sure if Delver is one of them, but like, it's, it's like, it may be more cute than good, but if people want to play a deck that they think is more cute than good, go for it. Hey, shout out to uh citizen of the nation, Nathan, who came in second place with Grixis Delver in last night's FNM. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they went actually undefeated and just came in second on like breakers. Yeah. Like I looked so there's a cool site that I found in doing research for this episode. And like it had all of the finishes of Grixis Delver and half of them were Nathan in our F in, in, in the nation dived like our Friday night magics that somehow That's gets populated funny. to like MTG goldfish. Ding. <laughs> Forgot my job. All right. We already talked about Kiki pod for a second. We're going to talk about this deck for a minute, just because I was super hyped when Vanifar got printed. And I think a bunch of other people were for Vanifar pod into Kiki combo, yada, yada, yada. I trophied with this deck. Yeah, my dude. Weirdly enough, but uh, this is a deck where if you untap with it, with you, you win. But if you play this card, you will very often lose. <laughs> and that's really all there is. So, Soul Sisters, hello. Hey, sister, Soul Sister. I, next to Helia, this is like the second best life gain deck in modern. Um, it's also one of the only mono white decks in the format. Another LGS FNM staple. Yeah, I'm not sure if this deck was ever good. Maybe when like Burn is somehow tier one, you can play this deck. Um, It also had kind of an uptick during the Phoenix era. And one time I played against this deck twice during the same MCQ. Um, That's all I got. It was isn't it also called Martyr Proc occasionally? Yeah, I think so. You want to have the chat go wild. There's probably subtle differences, but we're not smart enough or in the know enough to care. Or we didn't have space for all three of them in the top 100, but we do have space for five different Kiki Chord decks. So, you know, yeah, chat's telling me Martyr Proc is a different deck, but uh, I'm going to ignore them and say they're exactly the same. Yeah, like we care. We had 100 decks here, okay? Come on. <laughs> Tribal Zoo. So instead of Martyr Proc, I'm talking about Tribal Zoo, a pretty outdated deck at this point, but it kind of capitalized on some modern aggro staples like Wild, Nakadal, Kurt Ape, Tarmogoyf. I mean, this is kind of like just our, our zoo deck, I guess, in general. But later in the format, I guess sort of middle middle of the format, like you 
have just you want to employ landfall creatures like loam lion you play five color mana base make your nacatals and curd apes really strong but it's called tribal zoo because you get to play tribal flames and uh deal x damage for one and a red and that's five in terms of the amount of land types you control so I mean, I had this deck built. A friend had this deck built. Dave, I think you built this deck out because it's cheap and fun. Well, this was the first deck that I actually played that had that I put um, Tarmogoyfs in when I bought no. Tarmogoyfs on this my is journey what you to Jund. For? No, I just was buying Tarmogoyfs and then didn't have the rest of Jund, so I built this deck first. And you know what? This deck works. I had a lot of fun with it, and it's nice to play Kurt Ape every once in a while. So. It's pretty fun. Which one of you is Telix um, on, on Reddit? That's me. That's you. Okay. Yeah. So I made a comment on Reddit that we're going to talk about 100 decks from Adnos to Zoo. And you're like, actually, Zoo's not on the list. It's, yeah, it's I, You wrote about it. Yeah. Well, I've had a lot on my mind the past few days in preparation for this episode. And the decks I wrote about are not things in my mind. Fair. Also, someone someone mentioned that could this come back with the triumphs? You know, ever uh, aspiring Spike was playing a list that was kind of like a Jeskai ish tribal zoo build that was pretty good too. So right now, everybody in the chat is saying that I look different than they imagined. I don't know if that's good or bad. I guess we'll find out later. <laughs> My deck is next. One more deck for me to talk about. I'm going to ring yeah. the bell. Eldrazi and taxes. Eldrazi and Taxes. Yeah, so we just recently talked talked about this deck. Uh, so I won't go too deep into it, but this is the one that grinds and gives you extra hand disruption on top of your Thought Not Sears. So it's a very cool deck. You uh, get to play some Aether Vial stuff, do some other things, but uh, it's just another iteration on Taxes around uh, the same kind of build that Thalia has. And I'll ding myself. That was our nicest deck, by the way. We're up to 70. Yeah. All right. Deck We're 70. We're so close. Next, Urza Thopter. So I believe that this was, in fact, the closest that we actually truly got to Splinter Twin after the ban of Splinter Twin. Not just because of the play pattern of like playing a control strategy and then you combo out, but it was also very truly dominant and like actually tier one, if not the quote, best deck in modern for a given period of time. And other than Snow, this is perhaps the other deck that one could argue led to the ban of Astrolabe, mm-hmm. but it also led to the ban of Mox Opal. And now if you look at contemporary modern, Urza sitting around doing absolutely nothing while the much loved Mox Opal is dead and illegal to play. And I'm going to go out and say, I'm not sure anyone actually won in that exchange. It's too bad. All right. This one only got here because I'm a host of the dive down. And this is my, this is my first modern deck. The chat is going to freak out when they think that this is towards the top 25. It's, it's not. It's not towards the top 25. This is just my deck, okay? Yeah. So, I mean, also, this was a deck in Japan. <laughs> it's, it's, like my, it's like my Canadian girlfriend. <laughs> okay. This was a deck in Japan. So, in order to make and, you know, Monastery Mentor a thing, this was like, here, here's some cheap Esper spells. You get your creatures like Snapcaster Mage and Monastery Mentor. I want to make this controlling tempo-y deck, right? Is this, is this tempo? And, you know, like I said, it actually did win some things in Japan. It got, it got, it got, it won something enough that I knew about it, but it was never really anything in the, in the States, if I recall correctly. But like, it's so fun to go off with, but it's so bad 75% of the time. It's just too slow. And this is like the first of my three sets of Snapcasters, I think. Like, so, you know, before I officially gave up on on Snap. So as there's a lot of sentiment here, uh, 
it's just uh, not a card for me, but a deck I wish was for me and I wish was a thing. All right. Deck 72, green, white, Titan. So uh, what's our Titan count right now, Chad? Is it three? This, in my mind, is just kind of the Titan deck of the now. Right now, I I think that it does a great job of using the card Elvish Reclaimer to be like a mini Titan while you're trying to set up your play into the bigger Titan. And then go, go, go. Uh, It plays uh, Eldamry's Call to really uh, get your kind of toolbox going, help you find your pieces. It doesn't expose you to the same type of risk that Pact does. And I think it's just a really good value deck. And I think the players, like, I personally, I think that this is a deck that like has a big up arrow next to it. Cause I think it's things kind of keep going forward. There's a good chance that this deck becomes a long-term Titan deck as opposed to something that's just like for today's meta. Oh God. <laughs> I like the acronym, Dave, RWLD, red, white, Boros land destruction. I yeah, hate. That's about how much time I think we should spend on this no, deck, this, by the this way. Deck, but. This deck exists. It's a thing. Every once in a while, you're going to get blown up by this deck. I despise playing against this deck. It's like the meanest aspects of like land destruction and prison enchantment decks. Is there anything more frustrating than being locked out of the game besides like being locked out of the game and not having lands to do anything with? It's so bad. Yeah. Nobody likes to be stone drained. 74. Bad twin. More kiki-jiki decks. You know, so this is just twin without twin. This is a little bit of blue-red control like Stan was talking about earlier, but it's also something that people keep coming back to in lots of different ways. The most recent version that I tried to play was at an Energy Series deck. I think Stan and I both played the same deck where it was like a blue-red Flash deck with uh, Brineborn Cutthroat and Kiki-Jiki as a way to win. Boy, that was not a good day no. for me in the old the old tournament boards. No, no. I don't know. Kiki-Jiki's cool. I... <sighs> too slow five mana is five mana and triple red is much harder to cast than three and a red and don't you forget that yeah uh two and two red you mean yeah oh splinter twin is two and two red uh before my time i I had no idea yeah yeah i mean i have hopes that bribor and cutthroats are going to be a card someday that maybe fits into this you know fits into like a blue red flash shell but ah, kiki jiki is just never going to be the way it was ding our final deck before the top 25. That did not make the top 25. Uh, Dave, I was leaving this for you, and Stan picked it up. Uh, well, And then he, I think, left it for me, I want to say, possibly, but... I just forgot about it. <laughs> there was a time in the not-too-distant past, in the last couple of years, where Shane Beeps had changed his display name on Slack in homage to this deck. Did I really? Yeah, it was Shane Shane, I'm a hollow boy. Or me, me, I'm a hollow oh, boy. Oh, yeah, me, me, I'm a hollow boy. And, and several months later, I was sitting in someone's living room in Denver while Shane traded away his hollow ones. Was it my living room? No, it was that person who made really good salsa for us. Oh, yeah, my buddy. Yeah, that's right. Shout out mm-hmm. to Gabe for his good, his good, good salsas. Good, good salsa boy, Gabe. And and because Shane traded his his copies of Hollow One away, I think that's why he didn't write about this one. And and this is a deck that I have memories attached to because it sort of emerged in this in this era right before is it phoenix it was a faithless looting deck and i think people kind of forget that it was like the big discard deck before actual arclight phoenix got printed and some of the memories i have with it are a brief period where it started to sort of take over my local game store and that's when i got into green black elves because it was a deck that could race and could block four fours with tokens and and kind of shrug at it 
I also will never forget this one modern GP coverage where Huey Jensen was playing against an opponent on hollow one and the hollow one player got like two four fours out on turn <laughs> two and Huey's just like head in his hands like I, there's there's just no way to win this it's over I should have played hollow one and now it's kind of a thing in the past shout out to the hollow boys so I pl- I had this deck for like a minute, yeah, and definitely loved playing it at the uh, when I at a time when I was unable to go to the LGS, but we used to get together to play as like a big group of ten or twelve people at the bar. Um, I will never forget the night where I had an opener with three hollow ones and uh, bla- and a burning inquiry, and I played it on turn one, and my opponent got all three hollow ones with my discard when we uh, when we did the random discard. So complete brick. Burning inquiry. Ugh. Shout out to uh, Frank Karsten for their math articles, of which they wrote many times about Hollow One. Yeah, Grant makes a great point in chat that this is the type of deck that leads to great stories, and and maybe <laughs> yeah. we can remember it fondly for that reason. And if magic's yeah. not about that, what's it about? Resources, card advantage. <laughs> okay, we're headed into the top twenty-five. We're going to count backwards, twenty-five to one. Again, this is a an aggregate list. And Dave and Stan do not know the order of the list. I do because I created it and I made these slides. Dave actually made the slides layout, by the way. Okay, I'm going to shout out to Dave. I just ordered them. Also, real quick, there is some massive consolidation on these these slides because part of the thing is we didn't want variations of some of these decks to be out in the earlier part of this, in this kind of like the wild area, and spoil our discussion about some of these big, important archetypes in modern. So... I'm getting ready for all the comments where people are like, hey, we're doing a lot. Also, we we have hit our our soft goal of $1,000. That doesn't mean that uh, this is solving any any problems, right? Like one out of nine people in the United States uh, has food scarcity issues. That is a crazy stat. We are one of the wealthiest, if not sort of like if you – want to quantify, I don't know how you want to quantify wealthy, but in terms of uh, dollars, the U.S. has a lot of them, uh, yet we have people who are hungry. Feeding America uh, does amazing work to connect people with food, and we need to keep that going on, especially in 2020. Uh, not a great year, putting people out of work, out of their homes, and the money that they receive is going to help people who need it. So if you have waited until now, uh, please donate and uh, we appreciate it and they will appreciate it as well. Uh, in between 60 and 75, my, my, my wife decided to give another $15. I appreciate you wife. Thanks very much. So guys, I don't know how you're going to do this. Like, I don't know if you're going to like click over to this, this, the top 25 notes in order. Don't look tab and just like sort of shrink it up. He's going to search. Okay. You know what? I think I'm just going to do this off the dome. I'm just going to watch it. I'm just going to watch you reveal these slides. Yeah, I'll try to do that too. Here we go. The content you've been waiting for. The 25th best deck in modern. <laughs> According to us. Definitive top 25 decks of all time. Definitive. Okay. Jun will exist forever. Obzon has had a bumpier road. Mostly because white is a bad color. Like, so, I mean, okay, so people who are newer to the format are going to be like, what the heck? Why is Obzon here at 25? Okay, so for a while, Obzon was the deck you played to outgrind Jund. 
But cards like Siege Rider can only be so good for so long. Like this is one of the only decks that I've gone to time with in my entire life because I'm not good at mid range and Obzon is so slow. Yeah, I mean, I this is one of those things that's definitely more of a historical not again because there was a long time where this deck was all over modern. It was everywhere. It, it was like it was it was like what the pros brought to the the modern PT. Yeah, was it? 2014, 2015, 2016 kind of era. That's a different deck. That's just like an Abzan aggro deck, which should be on our list of top 100 decks. Could have been. Yeah. Also, all right. I, I, it's pronounced Abzan. Uh, that's one pronunciation. All right, let's go on. Wow, I thought we might give. I thought we might give our top 25 a little more support, but I guess we still have 25 to go. Hey, Adnaz, this is a good deck. This is a combo deck. The other storm. Dave, you didn't know how old this deck was. I went and looked it up, and this is another deck that I was surprised to see was around from the very, very beginning of Modern, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the type of deck that not only is it old, and not only is it a pain in the butt to play against, even though it like sometimes loses pretty hard to control, um, it just keeps getting better. And we saw Thassa's Oracle elevated significantly, and I think we might even continue to see it get elevated over time as new technology gets printed. I don't know if it's better than Storm. That's sort of maybe player preference up for debate, but this is kind of like the other Storm deck that doesn't actually use Storm. And it certainly maintained popularity for a long time as well. Ad nauseum's like the original, like, the the combo is cast Ad Nos, Right. Basically, right? Like... I think, I mean, you have to have, like, what, a Phyrexian on life and play or something like that. Or Angel's Grace. The spell is really, I mean, the, the combo is cast Adnos. But, but here's the other thing about Adnos that I love. You have to make the opponent play it out because sometimes they whiff. Like, they'll spoils of the vault and the wrong card gets exiled and then it's GG for the Adnos player, even though it does seem like they're comboing off. So that's fun. Absolutely. Devoted Druid Combo. So this is kind of our, our latest in the creature toolbox school of combo decks, right? Like, so this is the one I was mentioning before. The one-two punch of Vizier of Remedies and Devoted Druid was, I think, discovered like hour one after Vizier of Remedies was spoiled. So you get these two creatures in the battlefield together. Um, you know, Devoted Druid, of course, has to have haste or I've been on the battlefield already, right? And you make a, a, a unlimited mana. That is good. Unlimited mana is good. Cast a huge walking ballista, cast a finale of uh, devastation, uh, get a creature that get a walking ballista. Why not? I mean, that's all good stuff. And there's a lot of cool backdoor combos like the kitchen finks, five billion life or whatever. It's one of the decks that I've messed with quite a few times, but never really gotten good at. It's just a fun deck. It's got a lot of moving pieces, got a lot of options. It's sweet. Yeah, sometimes you can just put like uh, an Azuri in your deck and like make your creatures infinitely big. What's that werewolf card? That's here. The human that turns mm. into a werewolf. You know what I'm talking about? That lets you. Like, oh, yeah. I'm suddenly blanking on the name oh, of that. Oh, yeah. The watch, um, um, the watch guy. The watch. Uh, yep. The watch guy. Ding. What's next? Ooh. Oh, I wrote about. What did I write about this? So, you know what was a mistake? A lot of cards in 2019 and 2020. <laughs> so the, the this deck was basically like the mid-range control deck that got to use a bunch of banned cards in Oko, Mox Opal, and Arkham's Astrolabe. And combine that with like two of the best four CMC cards ever. You get your Urza, you get your Cryptic Command, and 
have fun, right? Like you get artifact synergies with cards like Gilded Goose, with Emery, with Mishra's Bobble, Engineered Explosives. All these cards are doing things that they shouldn't be doing at rates that they should not be cast at. <laughs> um, and so like nothing in the format was really keeping up with what this deck was doing. Like Oko, who thought that card was okay, but those abs. Oh, those- <laughs> what is this regimen? <laughs> o- Oko gets up at five every morning and sprints and does some crunches and then like runs up a flight of stairs and it shows. <laughs> Too beautiful for this world, though. I'm so excited for this next one, Dave. Okay. Is this so, what I think it is? So let, this is the secret tell the story, deck? Tell, tell the story of this so, deck, look, this is This is going to make the chat go wild. So this deck made it into the top 25 completely because I put a deck that nobody else had added to their top 25 list at number five. And so I told them that they, I was going to reveal it on the stream of what, what this deck is now, Shane, I don't think you can remove my question mark without, without Ah! a poop. Nope. It's Delver. (laughs) You monster. There's another card underneath Delver. And that card is treasure cruise. Oh no. Because you all forgot about the, like, four months where Is It Delver was the Uh, best deck in Modern by a long shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Mm, that... Blue-red cruise. Yes, a deck that didn't really get to make it to a Pro Tour because it didn't... It got banned. Treasure Cruise was banned before the Modern Pro Tour that happened right after this. But Pat Chapin, for example, took this deck to a number... To a second place in uh, Worlds. And it's really the deck or part of the metagame that led to Treasure Cruise being banned in Modern, even though we always knew it would be banned in Modern too. So Treasure Cruise, too beautiful for this and never coming back. Good work, Dave. You know, it's Modern is a lot. It's a longer term format than I, you know, it's it's hard to wrap your mind around it. Like like I said in the beginning, I thought we were going to have a hard time getting to 100 and there's decks that we're, I'm still remembering where it's like, oh, we could have added that. We could have added that. Mm-hmm. Instead of having uh, some of the other, having Countercat on here, we could have had Bridgevine, for example. Anyway, let's go on to number 20. Ding. God, love that ding. All right, Scape Shift. Is any of us cast a spell? Nope. I, I've never cast a spell. Well, you like, so what? Scape Shift is an interesting deck because it comes in variants right like there's like there's control variants that's a sort of like win with scape shift there's titan variants that like power out scape shift right titan shift um yeah i mean this is a valakut deck this was like was this the first valakut deck after valakut got unbanned for a long time it was like the de facto valakut deck until dried of the Elysian grove made primeval titan just the better scape shift that also made an army an endless army of two two zombies while burning out players while producing every color of mana and spending it wisely. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is, this is also, you know, we wanted to include both the Titan shift version and just kind of value scape. I mean, scape shift is just a card that's been around and there's various different versions that have been built many different times through the entire history of modern part of my vote that got this into the top 25 on my part was staying power just around the archetype archetype itself, including all the variants and Chat, this is what I was talking about when we had to consolidate a lot of decks here because we didn't want to do that because there are more coming that are various builds. Yeah, like there's there's some stuff that's like, you know, it's really four decks, honestly. You can guess what that probably is. 
because here comes the next one. And this one, I believe, is also going to be Fordex. Hey, prowess. Yep. Stan, Stan, can we admit that we didn't really forget about this? Yes. But we we were like, let's throw this in with Burn. And that just feels really wrong now. Well, I, I was like, this is between Burn and Is It Phoenix. And that's why it like... For me, it didn't make the top 25, and then Dave insisted that it must. I think it absolutely has to. With it so many different versions of Prowess that have been floating around for the last two or three years, the power of Soulscar Mage and Monastery Swift Spear, again, totally understanding that there are many different versions. There's Mono Red Prowess, there's Mono Red Phoenix that was historically here, there's the Red Black Shadow Prow- Rakdos kind of shadowy deck that's here, there's Rakdos Prowess. There's blue-red prowess, which I had a lot of fun with over the summer. But basically, when we really looked at it, it was like all of these prowess decks that are built around Lava Dart, Soulscar Mage, and Monastery Swift Spear form the core of something that definitely has to be in the top 25. I think the reason I didn't put it in my top list, and tell me if I'm crazy, but I feel like prowess hasn't necessarily earned its stripes yet like it's been really good over the last year or so but it just hasn't demonstrated that longevity that we've seen from some of the other decks in this top list oh i mean i think it has i mean it's 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 a it's always like tier one slash tier two and it's been here longer than some other decks that we have on our list yeah okay let's go speaking of other decks we have on there stan keeps signaling me because i keep forgetting the bell hey etron etron the other Tron. I loved playing this deck. I will say for the deck dive that we did on this, it was there was nothing quite like, you know, powering out into Karn and then playing a Mycosynth Lattice, which is back when we were testing it. But this but this deck is still real. And for me, I kind of hate Tron, but this is the one Tron deck that I enjoyed playing. And so, you know, loving this and also liking to play Chalice. I, uh, I haven't ponied up to buy these cards in paper, but this is definitely the kind of deck that's on my radar. Yeah. This is cool. This is a car or a deck that like got better when Karn the Great Creator got printed because it had horrible sideboard options in the past. And then once once the Karn Wishboard got introduced to modern, then like suddenly this deck had a real plan with its seventy five. Good times. Yeah, Etron's sweet. It's like it's it's such a strange deck because you're always like, how is this deck winning? And like so every once in a while, it's like, hey, I'm going to be 25% of the top meta. And then other times it's like, this deck's terrible. And it's, there's not, I mean, it's, that's what's good about modern as, as some of the other decks we'll talk about, I think are in the sort of the same uh, bucket as Dave would say. Last thing I'll say before the ding, a deck with four reality smasher and four thought not seer should be very good because those cards are insane. And any deck that can play them like on turns two and three seems like it would be a good deck give me that ding strom oh i mean storm hey my first modern deck i i you know i wrote that very impassioned love letter when we finally did a deck dive on storm um and it's all still true there's also twiddle storm not as uh hasn't demonstrated its longevity in the same way that that traditional storm has and let's talk about longevity because like scape shift and like some of the other decks that are on this list storm is a pyromaster's ascension storm which later became gift storm was a deck that many many pros were trying to break for a long time in modern storm has led to the banning of multiple cards in modern like rite of flames and seething song and stuff like that because it did so so well in the first few pro tours as well there were 
two Pyromancer's Ascension Storm combo decks, I think in the, the top eight of that first Pro Tour that I've talked about a number of times. But the deck has always been there, and this is the deck that players like John Finkel will come off of the bench to play in Modern or stream or do things like that. Maybe not as much anymore, but when the before Baral, before Giftstorm became a thing, when it was really a lot more mathy, there were a lot of pros who loved to play this deck and try to figure out how to break it. Storm's a great deck if you need a good reason to hold priority while doing other <laughs> things. And that's why it remains powerful. All right, what's next? What's our 16th best deck? KCI. A band deck. Oh, okay. I'm going to tell a little bit of story about KCI. Here's why I like KCI, okay? You do that. KCI was one of those decks that was around for a while. And um, Lee on uh, Grindcast actually was was saying a little bit about that uh, episode or two ago where they were like, look, like I was winning with this deck at local events for months. And then, and then you all would talk about this deck and be like, KCI uh, seems like a little bit of a joke here. And then all of a sudden, people realized how they could play KCI. And people learned how to play the deck. And some guides were written that people like picked up and, and learned from. And everyone all of a sudden was like, oh, we, could, we all can play KCI. Incredibly complicated, detailed guides, YouTube walkthroughs. KCI takes a lot. Took a lot. <laughs> and, uh, and then enough people learned it. And it got way too good. Yeah it's almost surprising to me that this is as low as it is. Like I could almost see this as like a top 16, if not a top five deck because what it did and the way it interacted with modern rules was unlike any other deck that I have ever seen in modern. Maybe there were other like older strategies that I'm not aware of, but like the way it basically used the mana creation, you know, ability in magic to create this game state that opponents could not even interact with while it comboed them out was so unique that it had to go. It was miserable to watch on coverage, um, really annoying to play against, probably better off. This was a great banding because rather than like hitting Opal or maybe hitting something that could still be abused elsewhere, they just got rid of Clark Clan Ironworks. And I don't think anyone's all that mad except Matt Nass. Matt Nass. And and wasn't a... who was that player who, when they won like a Magic Fest, they said Watsi needs to unban KCI? Was it Canister? <laughs> I don't remember that. All right, next. It was Canister. Thanks, Mickey. Ding, you got a ding. You got oh, a. God. Up at fifteen, we have Dredge, uh, one of my favorite decks. I don't really know why. Um, I just think it's because I, I love flipping cards over. Um, Dredge has like been perhaps one of the longest running graveyard centric aggro decks in the format. And, you know, if you want to mill your graveyard and mill your library into your graveyard with cards that want to be milled, you play dredge. Like it just, it fills the battlefield with creatures. And if they die, they come back and you can play through removal, play through sweepers. Uh, I love beating Jund. I love beating fair decks. I love beating all the fair deck pilots at my LGS with dredge. You just, you know, it's like, you know what you're going to do. You're going to play against at least two fair decks of the LGS win with dredge shane i want to tell you something about dredge i'm not i'm not saying that i'm building dredge and paper that's that's not (laughs) what i'm saying but lately whenever i've needed to like hit the credit card minimum on a small order from the lgs (laughs) i just like pick up a random dredge piece because like most of them are dirt cheap and it's like a nice way to pad it so i think like another year of this of me buying like random like 20 cent 
20 cent sideboard cards and trying to put yeah. them on my card like i'm gonna end up with dredge you're there baby i i'm gonna say i, I mean, am building dredge and paper for some someday soon yes. i have half of it so let's get the other half it's it, it lost a little bit with faceless looting but then it got ox of agonis i like that this is the card you chose dave it's not the card i would have chosen <laughs> but it's it's beautiful there um I would have yeah. chosen the dinosaur version of Cathartic Reunion, like where Kib- Kibler hugs yes. a raptor. The, the hugging <laughs> raptor hugs. That's one of the weirdest, weirdest cards. Next up. Ding. From from my deck to Dave's. Hey, I would love to say that okay, this so, is my deck, but it's not really my deck. This is the deck I should not play. Okay, this, 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 is, this is a giant bucket. Yeah. This is like, this is Azorius, this is Jeskai, this is Sultai, this is... What else is there? Grixis. There's a, this is this is just control. Just generic control. Yeah. This so no Stoneforge, no Uro, no miracles. This is like the super concept of this is you know Plato's cave. This is the form of control, and we see shadows of it on the cave wall. All my philosophy miners out there, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> How often is this deck good? I think this deck is much better. Dep- it, obviously it's much more about the players in the metagame i think quite often for control you know there are good players like aspiring spike and gabriel and Seif that can make this happen you know what i mean basically whenever they want to with whatever version they tune to the meta yeah i don't know whenever celestial colonnade appears in a winning deck list it's usually because of this deck and there's always going to be like some contig- contingent of modern players that are like it's possible we can still do it right doesn't I mean, mean you should this got huge at our, the big boost that this deck got this archetype got most recently or not most recently, the biggest one that brought it back out of the shadows was Jace the mind sculptor being unbanned, right? Like that was pretty big when that happened. And then later on, we've kind of gone on to other things, you know, to fairy five was really popular for a while and Jeskai. And then, you know, recently we've had Uro kind of take over some of this and the Uro piles. Grixis had a moment where it was really good. Thanks to a brew from aspiring spike where you could cast into the story. And that was sweet. And also of course, mystic sanctuary is a card that has powered these archetypes in various different ways as well. I don't know much about that card. Is there an episode of a podcast I could listen to to learn about Mystic Sanctuary? Yeah, I think it was Limited Resources, episode uh, 6,942. Okay. I'll look that one up. I, w- I want to make one last comment about Colonnade specifically. This is a fun stand story. A few years ago, there was this big craze in the United States and the world called Bitcoin. And I was like, I'm just going to put a couple, two, three hundred dollars, buy some Bitcoin. I lost uh, some money that way. And then I had like all this worthless Bitcoin, didn't know what to do with. <laughs> and then I, I found a, a magic shop in, I want to say it was in Idaho that accepted Bitcoin currency. And I cashed out of my poor bitcoin investment by buying up celestial colonnades oh lord so like i ended up you can argue that i spent like two to three hundred dollars on celestial colonnades by accident (laughs) (laughs) wow oh lord onward amulet yeah i mean a deck that's not too not we haven't played too much stan has spent some time playing it and playing against it but do you remember the first time you saw an amulet titan deck and just went what like first saw the deck list and we're kind of like how does this win why does this win 
Yeah, except except it was being piloted by our patron and my friend Grilled Cheese, aka Ian, and he is an actual Amulet Titan master, and he was doing like that stupid effortless thing where he's like, all right, well, I'm going to play this Karoo Land, then I'll bounce this back, and then I'm going to Teleria West, then I'm going to find this, and I'll do this, <laughs> and I'm like, bro, it's turn two. <laughs> I always feel like I'm going to, like, I, this is another deck where I always feel pretty good on turn one and turn two, and I'm like, I'm going to kill Azusa, and then it doesn't matter that I killed Azusa, <laughs> no. or I'm going to kill the Dryad, and, there, and it doesn't matter that I killed the Dryad, like, something else going on. But this, I think, is, you know, this high in the list, it might not be the best one in the metagame right now, but I think just for the beauty of the deck design, the fast, the fact that it's gotten cards banned and also the fact of how long it's been around at this point it's been four or five years at this point that's kind of how this ended up so high on our list yeah it's cool whenever a deck is so powerful that it gets something banned and then eventually it comes back and is like still super powerful and a tier one contender yeah yeah like the amulet bloom style like crazy crazy decks that like what was that that was justin and uh sam black and those guys just like just yeah they just like came out of nowhere right exactly all right in fact so in fact of course at, at number 12 has been nerfed into submission but at, at one point in modern's past this was just like a tier one aggro deck you had to be prepared for in some way uh in fact is sick right like it, if you get 10 in fact poison counters uh, you lose the game, so you combine these creatures with a bunch of pump spells, and you have yourself a little stew going, right? It's always been a threat to those lacking interaction, but the problem is, is the interaction has gotten better and cheaper over time, right? And uh, and I think red, you know, red aggro decks have gotten a little bit better. Uh, Fatal Push was printed. Gataxian Probe was banned. Uh, in fact, still shows up now and then to like remind people that it has crazy amounts of power and uh, scale up got printed, mm-hmm. but it's not as good as it once was. Yeah. And let's not forget too that early on, if we just look at this as a broad archetype, this card got Blazing Shoal or this deck got Blazing Shoal banned as well. And so, you know, that was a giant factor that made this deck a, a part of the metagame from the very beginning. Like Shane said, it was a solid part of the metagame for a long time. And now we're seeing it iterate a little bit. You know, last week we talked about Golgari. In fact, maybe that's got a little bit of a home here until Simic comes back, but this is definitely a mechanic and a core deck that has had staying power in modern. Ding. Here's a big bucket. Death Shadow. Yeah. Yeah. This was hard because I, when we, when we, you know, I've long been a person who said that, Death Shadow is lots of different decks, right? Like it's Grixis, and most notably Grixis. Grixis is the one that people were calling for to be banned at one point in time. Yeah, you know. But there's the Rakdos Shadow deck that people are really into right now, which is that kind of like half half prowessy kind of core. There's Mardu Shadow. There's also Jund Shadow. There's Four Color Shadow and Traverse Shadow, and just all kinds of different versions of this deck. I, there's the really aggro one zoo that had, you know, the original version of the deck that had all the Frexian mana cards in it to be able to shock yourselves down. I think that, you know, it was hard for us to have it 
be all those different archetypes because we, we were pretty sure that we would spend half the episode talking about Death Shadow if we did that. So here, number 11, just outside of the top 10. Surpri- I'm surprised personally that it's outside of the top 10. I thought maybe it would have gotten a little bit higher from us, but um, there's there a lot is. of good decks in the top yeah. 10. So Death Shadow, a deck that I really like playing these days that I put a good amount of time into through various iterations over the last year or so. So here it is. Yeah, it, for me and Shane, Death Shadow is the deck we love to build but hate to play. <laughs> it's a tricksy deck. It's rough. It's 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 not on rails, that's for sure. One time I walked into a hip Chicago cafe and Shane and, and Shane was just sitting there. Uh, I was not expecting to see him there. And he was uh, playing Magic against our mutual friend Scott. And Shane was on Death Shadow. And that's a memory that I'm going to take to the grave. It's the only time Shane ever played Death Shadow <laughs> oh. ever. I hit, the, I hit the button. Oh, we're on. Here it is. Oh, dang. Is it Phoenix? This is the deck that I peaked in modern with. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. That was for Shadow. Go ahead. <laughs> so, is it Phoenix? When we were talking about elves earlier, uh, Joe in the chat made a comment about how Plague Engineer is what killed elves. But I want to argue that it was, in fact, is it Phoenix? Because not only is like thing in the ice a great way to beat up on creature strategies but is it phoenix made gutshot a tier one card ultimately just because it was free it triggers your third spell it flips thing in the ice it triggers birds out of the yard um and even though plague engineer eventually like contributed to the death of a lot of tribal strategies what is it phoenix did to modern i think was kind of like a line in the sand as like we have this before phoenix era and then like phoenix was this murky red zone that like faithless looting took over and now we have this post looting era and to me it all starts with phoenix it was the first time i got to play a good is it deck in modern by the time i got into modern splinter twin was gone there were no good is it decks anymore it was post delver treasure cruise 2 so I miss it. It's sad that I'll never get to play it in modern again. Maybe I can play it in other formats, but we'll see about that. Yeah. This is the deck that defined a podcast. <laughs> yes. This, we, I mean, this is like the joke. This like every week we talked about, is it Phoenix? <laughs> For easily, uh, yeah, two months. Someone on Reddit said, we get it. You guys like, is it Phoenix? It was like, it was just really, it was just winning. Yeah. We couldn't not talk about yeah, it. Yeah. But also we really liked it. And I really liked this deck too. Uh, made me love Manamorphose even more than I already did. All right. This begins a series of decks that I kind of wrote some notes for. So I'm just going to, you guys need to jump in here. All right. So Affin- affinity number nine, here it begins our, our, the top, the single digit decks. Okay. Name that for a keyword that really wasn't on any of the cards in the deck. Um, it's no longer a thing in modern yet another mox opal casualty, but, um, and probably also just a, great casualty other cards got printed that were better this was like the this was like the the aggressive deck okay like you just you you put your hand onto the table and like a turn or two all these cheap artifact creatures and artifact mana acceleration and then like with an arc bond ravager or a cranial plating like any unblocked creature could just turn into like this lethal threat um and yeah, it's just, it's not a thing anymore. Affinity is not a thing. We had hardened scales affinity in our, uh, bottom 75. This was a great deck for a long time. It was my first real modern deck. Um, and yeah, RIP. This for me totally defined, like you said, the aggro deck in modern for a very, very long 
time. And this is one of those decks where like, as soon as people started sleeping on it, it it would come back and win a Grand Prix or win a Pro Tour. It happened all the time. There were a bunch of players who were experts at Affinity, good pros, and um, man, Including our including our good good friend friend of the pod who doesn't know we exist Frank exactly Karsten. Frank Doctor <laughs> Frank Karsten thank you so much so uh, say goodbye to a real one I guess okay I gotta talk about this one more though too okay Green Tron number eight P- perhaps like the just preeminent example of what big mana means in modern green Tron and like other variants like Gruel Tron have been around for a long long time oh Stan Flash at the Green Tron. Yeah, my man. Um, Silver sleeves, right where it belongs. <laughs> frustrating people with like that opening hand natural Tron and the Karn Liberated for, for years and years. Um, I mean, it's had a variable power level, right? Like it's been sometimes awesome, sometimes just okay. Right now, I think it's in a little bit of a lull, but it's something you can always expect to see across the table from you at any tournament, from like your LGS modern event to like day two at the GP you're going to see some Tron there. It's not like the biggest brain deck in the world, but the sheer power level is unparalleled and it's just fun to play. I, th- I fell asleep a little bit while you were talking about that. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I, I'm really upset. This wasn't seven, by the way, oh, it being, we missed, I should have just fudged you, it. I should have, fudged have. It. I mean, look, this is funny. This is one, I don't know if anybody remembers, but when we did a dive down on this, I walked out in the middle of, <laughs> yeah. of it and just like left. Cause I was like, I hated playing this deck. It's not my thing. But um, definitely recognize its power, and it's probably the modern deck I've played against the most. Like, I feel like I've played against Green Tron more than anything else. It's been such a staple for so long. Yeah, so while Dave was walking out, because he had played against it a million times and hated it, I was... I came into the episode with the same feeling, like, I'm not looking forward to playing this deck because I hate losing to it constantly, and then I finally got to pilot it, and I fell in love, and and, and now this happened. <laughs> Artifact control. <laughs> yeah, this well, deck rules, Dave. Eventually, you'll come around. Is is the top 10 just all decks that Shane owns and talks about? I feel like it's it's a lot. No, there's 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 a there's a there's some gaps. So in what's my the next one? Here. Don't look. <laughs> it's human. Hey. Number seven here. Oh, I forgot. You guys don't know this order. No, I know this don't. order. Yeah. Okay. So uh, seven humans, um, specifically five color humans has been a modern staple for like three years or so like you get you get you get tribal rainbow lands like unclaimed territory you get cut sale freebooter and then you got people playing this deck a lot i was actually i was of the opinion that this deck should have had a ban or a nerf like it was like 10 percent of the meta at some point it was really crazy how good and popular and powerful this deck was right and um yeah it's just it's fun it's it's synergistic. It's uh, it's one of those decks where like like a certain top deck can just win you the game in a lot of interesting ways. Whether it's a hasty creature or a reflector mage, um, I just I love the deck. It's it's been around for years. It's a deck like Green Tron that goes up and down in power level, but it's going to be around for a while. Shane, why has humans endured a post plague engineer modern? so much better than like other tribal decks that also have lords i mean it's a good question stan man asking me question in the top 10 um i i don't think it's necessarily necessarily the fact that like it, it gets hurt any more or less by plague engineer i think it's the fact that um he just is better oh 
Oh, like overall, like it's just, it's, I mean, it's, it's better. So it gets hurt less, right? It's like the, the relative hit that plague engineer provides, um, who cares? Like when I'm already so on the board. And I think also the fact that like you can meddling mage plague engineer, that doesn't like win you the game, but that certainly helps. Yeah. I mean, this deck is just so fast sometimes. And then other times it's just the right amount disruptive. And so it's tough. It's a tough combination to beat. And especially if you're looking at what other tribal decks have access to. I mean, do you remember when this deck came out and just being like, this is fascinating. The cards that are in this deck. Yeah, it was Ixalan. Is it the Mantis? That it plays Mantis Rider. Yeah. And the fact that it, that Ixalan made it work. And, and the fact that Kite Sail Freebrooder was immediately a staple in this deck to be able to supplement, you know, Meddling Mage, which is a card that's been around forever. You know, I mean, it was P- Chris Pick, uh, yeah, it was Chris Piccola's yeah. invitational card from like 20 years ago or 15 years ago. And like to see that have life in modern again was super interesting for sure. Any deck that makes you realize that Mantis Rider is a human is a good deck and not a Mantis. Yeah. And on that note, burn. Stan, Stan, I want you to do burn. Yes. Okay. I, I have some, some words and, and questions. I think, guys, is this the only deck in our top 100 that all three of us own in paper? Yeah, I own it. I do. <laughs> we yeah, all own Red so. Prowess, too. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's two similar decks that we all own. Burned, what a, what a timeless strategy. I'm, I'm glad that it made it in the top 10. I think I would have been upset if not, because this to me is just like one of the identities of mm-hmm. modern, both historically and to this day it still shows up constantly um i love that it has like a bunch of weird nicknames and and kind of like stories behind it i love when people kind of talk about it as like a combo deck where you just have to count to seven if you cast seven spells you've probably won yeah or fewer if not fewer this is the deck that like i bought and will rarely find reason to want to sleeve it up but i probably should play it more often i probably should play it on moto more often than i do which is never but um they're very good and powered up by car by cards recently you know spectacle did a bit with skewered skewer the critics horizon lands helped lightning bolt's awesome yeah i i love burn and tron as like these two ends of a spectrum that Although, you know, you don't have to be able to beat both of those decks to have a good deck in modern. Like, that's not what I'm getting at. But they're kind of like these tent poles that you can test innovations against. Like, can you take on Burn? If not, you're going to have a really hard time. If otherwise, can you take on Tron? And it's like these two longstanding uh, traditions that are both powerful, really in different ways, but test decks and like emerging decks, um, I think, in like really exciting ways, too. All right, coming up at five. I wanted this deck to be lower. <laughs> I think I know what it is. It's Jund. And in this one, we rolled in foil Jund as well as regular Jund into, <laughs> into one. And I, I had to use for the art for this. I just went all the way and I used... Oh man, the OG. Deathrite Shaman, which nobody here has ever played with, probably, or, yeah. or haven't had a chance to, but it is good. It was good, and it led to bans. We should have put it at number 50. That's where I wanted it. We really thought about it being number 50, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jund's always going to be there, right? Like, it's like the conceit of Jund and the reason people play it is it's like, I have agency. Like, I can, I can have the right threat or the right answer at any time. 
Of course, this never happens. You draw, you get the wrong card at the wrong time. Like Dave said, it's just it's been around for a variety of in a variety of ways for a long time. Like Liliana of the Veil got printed in 2011, y'all. That's that's nine years ago. That's when I graduated college. Mm. (laughs) It's like I mean, it's just it's just it's always going to be there. It's always going to be doing better than you potentially expect. It's going to be played more than it deserves to be. Shout out to, to Joe in the chat. But but I think the thing about Jund is it's a lot like control in the sense that the people who are really good with this deck, I mean, there are always the people who just are like Jund person and they just always play it. But the pros who pick this up, like, you know, Logan Nettles, who always plays this deck in modern and all, quite often does very, very well with it, no matter what the era is. It's a good deck in the right hands, and it's another deck that sometimes, because of the way the plan works, I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing whenever I pick it up. Um, but yeah, Liliana, Liliana the Veil. One funny thing is that you know, printed nine years ago. You know, that means that I'm 11 years in my second stint of Magic at this point, <laughs> which is so. I took, I played for a decade, then I took off a decade, and now I'm in for a decade almost, which is a little more than what Magic's actually been around, but. I did not like piloting Jund when we did a deck dive on it. It was cool that whenever I had to sideboard, I got to put in like 10 cards because every card in Jund is good. And it's it's a pile, right? It's it's like the value pile, the most enduring value pile, if there ever was one. It's like if, if a deck box was a thermos, <laughs> Jund would be like a, a soup full of vegetables and noodles and bits of meat. <laughs> Campbell's... Chunky Yund. Number four, we got Birthing Pod. Oh, boy. The Dave, good, I think this one's you. The good version of all the decks that we talked about earlier of, you know, the the grandparent of basically stuff that would be Abzan, stuff that would be Kiki Cord-ish, stuff that would be Vanifar. Birthing Pod played value games it played combo games it played all kinds of different versions and it was like a force of nature in the format for a long time right up until the time that it was banned because it was too too good they all used a similar engine of you know sometimes we went infinite with with kitchen finks sometimes we did infinite damage sometimes we did other stuff but um birthing pod is a deck that i never had a chance to play never had the cards to play never really played against it because it was quite an expensive deck but um, I think it was defining for what modern is and what people think about when they think about archetypes in modern because of the kind of value game that it lets you play, the tutoring effect, and and everything like that. There's so many decks that are children of this one. Yeah, I was not around for Birthing Pod. But Birthing Pod, it was was one of those decks that was like, still in people's memory when I, when I was really getting into modern and like people would just sort of complain about it being banned or talk about it. Like, you know, in, in comparison to what other things were going on, and it was always like, let's unban pod. Like we shouldn't unban pod. Like it needs to become unbanned. And it's like, I don't think it's going to happen y'all. Yeah. I don't think it's ever going to happen either. This is one of those cards that's going to stay in the vault for good. also this, this art is sick way to go. Birthing pod having sick art. All right, people are starting to figure out the final three in the chat right now. They got yeah. to know. They got to know. Number three, Splinter Twin. The other deck everyone wants unbanned. I love Splinter Twin. I hated it. My gosh. I, I played it for a lot. It was one of the... What can you really say about it? It was an early deck. It won 
the first pro tour and stuck around for like eight years after forever you know the first modern pro tour it had ponder it had preordain it had other powerful cards that we don't have access to and then for around five years it was the definitive combo deck in the modern that base in modern that basically led to what we think of as the turn four rule twin was allowed to stay because it really couldn't kill you before turn four and there's still nothing quite like turn two remand turn three flash and pester might turn four twin win that's it that original version of the deck that i talked about was very kind of low on interaction which is interesting it was kind of all in on the combo in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. it had nine single blue mana cantrips it really was just digging to the combo digging to the combo digging to your pieces as those cards were banned you know the deck started to splinter out and it no pun intended and adopt other game plans you know you had your blue red control version you had grixis you had teamer twin that ran tarmogoyf so you had an alternate plan to kind of go with there if you didn't get your combo by the time it was banned it was regular regularly winning premier level events people were still taking it to pro tours and i think that right before it was banned there were multiple grand prix where it was 50 percent twin was 50 percent of the top eights Eesh. multiple times in a row different different uh different builds but still interesting card we'll never see it again yeah i mean i want to I, I, this is our top three i can think we can focus a little bit on these decks like playing against twin twin was a force of nature in the format like twin was a deck that everyone had to keep in the back of their mind everyone had to be prepared for and you had to have some plan to beat or like attempt to beat the deck and it's not saying that it was i mean it was too good but more than being too good it was too much of a warping agent and that is something that i think we've seen come up again and again in future bands where it's like Okay, whether or not this deck is too good statistically, it's doing too much to people's enjoyment and ability to to make decks in the way they want to or the meta to be as wide as it maybe should be. And Twin is the deck that I think about when I think about, you know, that concept in Magic and Magic formats. Number 2, uh the original Eldrazi Eye of Ugin deck. Wow. wow. I am it's, shocked that this is number two, you guys. I mean, I think we have some recency bias for number one. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys are wrong. <laughs> but let's talk about Eldrazi for a second. I don't know, you man. I don't know, man. This. This, 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 was a, this was a crazy deck. This. Oh, yeah. I mean, this deck was totally nuts i remember oh you wanted you wanted it one is what i wanted it one yes yes okay i mean it's it's a bonkers deck yeah well well, Uh, was there only one ugensai eldrazi deck wasn't there like a couple so this was the one that was really really broken though so when oath of the gatewatch came out and the good payoffs in eldrazi reemerged, specifically thought notch seer and reality smasher and eldrazi mimic was part of it as well you know those that this was how people figured out to make the most aggressive version was the one that powered out a bunch of Eldrazi mimics and then went into a reality smasher basically. And then they just killed you with all your mimics. Um, there are people trying all kinds of stuff around the same time. There was people trying to make a version with heartless summoning to make all your creatures cheaper so that you could get the Eldrazi out faster and mimics and things like that. There were, other versions that were built on top of that as well that were just kind of different things but the one i remember really well the weekend i went to a scg regionals was the week or two before the pro the infamous gate uh oath of the gatewatch pro tour and 
during the beginning of this regionals tournament, people were kind of like, have you seen the Eldrazi deck yet? Have you seen the Eldrazi deck yet? And then it was just kind of like a couple of people had it there. And then the next week it was like, everybody had it and everybody knew how good the deck was. And then it was just kind of like, that was it. But it is strong. It's neat that this is a deck that when people think about Eldrazi, they don't necessarily are like talking about the deck per se, but it, it encapsulates like a season and they talk about Eldrazi winter and what happened to the format over a period of time because of this deck. What was able to play against it? Was there anything that had like a fighting chance? No. And remember affinity. Yeah. Remember Splinter Twin was banned right before this pro tour. And so this was a lot of people were kind of like, that was the first outcry that Splinter Twin should have never been banned because Splinter Twin could have kept, People think that Splinter Twin could have kept this deck from having quite the impact on the format that it did. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it. there's not too much to say about it. I never got a chance to play it myself. I got some of the Eye of Ugin's together, and then they went up to $60, and they went down to $10, and then that was kind of like it. And this was all while I was home on leave with my first child. So Aww. watched it from the sidelines. You ready for one? We all know what one has to be. Yeah, we, we all know what it is. Ah, oh, Soul Sisters. Oh, I mean, oh, <laughs> gosh. The oh, GAC. Okay, I, I'll go first. I, I haven't had a lot to say during the top 10, but I want to talk about Hogak for a second and and why I actually think Hogak is a better fit for the one spot than, than Eldrazi. Similar to Eldrazi, from what I'm hearing, at least, like, Hogak was near impossible to beat. Um, and the thing that I hated about Hogak was that it was a deck that wasn't just bigger than like us and like anyone who's trying to beat it. It almost was like bigger than the format. And when we talk about certain other really powerful strategies, like KCI has this identity or, or, or the story of KCI, I think you can tie to like Matt Nass and you can tie the story of Is It Phoenix to Ross Merriam, Infect with Tom Ross. And like there's all these super powerful strategies over the years that we can connect to certain players because of how much they uh, iterated on these decks, how much they made them popular. Maybe it's my own oversight, but like Hogak was one of those decks that just like exploded on the scene in one version just because of like the hive mind ability to build it. It takes over so profoundly that it requires a ban. And yet it got better after the ban. And then it required a whole other round of bans. And say what you will about like Eldrazi, that took one ban. And like so many other decks, KCI, that took one ban. Hogak, like they had to like hit it in the knees and then they had to like punch it in the face. (laughs) I still, I still. Never I'm going to forget what we said about this card in our set review for Horizons. And it was like, maybe, maybe I was like, maybe this will be like a, a two of and dredge. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't, you can't fault us for not quite seeing the synergy between Bridge from Below and Alter of Dementia and Gravecrawler and all of the different Vengevine, just all the different things that it did. I will say... I had a fun time playing this deck on Magic Online for about three weeks, where it was just kind of like, okay, you know, I had this deck in paper. It's another deck that I never had a chance to to play <laughs> because I already had Bridgevine, and then Hogak was good. I was like, well, okay, let's put it, put it all in there. It was fun to play for like a minute, and then it got really old really fast. This was the only time since I like first got into Modern around like 
Modern Masters 2017. And I've been playing the format pretty consistently, like for the last four or so years. The Hogak period was the one time where I was like, I don't really want to play Modern while this is around. I liked playing against Oko, because at least against Oko, you can play like a counter spell. With Hogak, like you couldn't play Graveyard Hate wasn't good enough. Exile effects weren't good enough. Like with Hogak, you just had to like out Hogak them. Yeah. <laughs> a turn fa- you had to win the the dice roll and out Hogak them basically. Yeah. I mean, this was kind of the, one of the moments where Mono Red Prowess was at its best, like Mono Red Phoenix, because people thought that it was fast enough, and I don't think it was fast enough, actually, for Hogak. So, oh, well. It, it's unfortunate that we have to end this top 100 list on such a sour note, because, like, I'm ready to throw my headphones at the wall and storm out, but... Well, I mean, it's interesting, because, like, I feel like every discussion of all of the, like, defining decks of modern is going to end up with these four band decks it's gonna end up with pod pod twin eldrazi and hogak and then if another deck breaks through into that it's probably because it's gonna get banned too yeah i don't know i thought that was pretty good top 25 yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i think this was a great 100 and and i was paying attention to the chat and people agreed with everything we said yeah every single thing they agreed with. no no one said that we missed anything they were like wow this is really definitive and exhaustive this is perfect exhaustive and perfect before we head out into sort of the more thank yous and such, I do want to thank um, more donations that came in towards the end of the stream. Yeah, I'm excited that we get to give so much money to such a great cause. Like Absurd amounts. The fact that we've started a show that gets to do this. Like, not only do we get to, like, make a silly podcast that, like, a bunch of our inter- internet friends want to hang out with us while we record it and, like, yell at us while we talk at them and mostly ignore them, but also, like, raise money for charities and, like, find new people to play games of magic with over webcam that are, like, thousands of miles away. It The hits don't stop in the Dive Down Nation. Um, so, I just gotta say again... I, I, Shannon, I hope I'm not stealing your thunder. We couldn't have gotten here without like the support of our listeners, our fans, and really the patrons who've like your support for the show, your monetary support for the show, like makes it possible for us to pay an editor, which makes it possible for us to like work on this podcast a bunch to, to do the podcast. Yeah, yeah it's it's <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. Um, and that was all we ever really cared about. All we wanted to do was like make enough money that like we can just record the show without like coming home from work every day and having to like edit a four person two hour long show and we mess up a lot and there's a lot of editing that's required but the patrons made it possible for us to kind of like have fun and and we hope we can give back a little bit to the nation and the world with it so thanks i don't know what else to say other than thank you thank you so much for tuning into this weird show that we started and we yes. hope that you have fun when you watch it, because uh, it's fun for us to make it. Streaming this was fun. Yeah, this this was fun. Should we always do live apps? Oh gosh, I mean, we we didn't mess up as much as I thought we would. Yeah, I think we could do live apps occasionally for sure. Occasionally, yeah, I love it. Should we thank other people? Is, is anyone? Can I can I thank you guys? Okay, I'm gonna thank Shane, our our executive producer extraordinaire. Without Shane, this show like wouldn't be out on time every week it wouldn't be like as consistent from an admin perspective and like there's a lot of work that happens behind the scenes when the mics are off that is so important to making it like good and and shane your stewardship has been 
an unparalleled. So I'm I'm so grateful that I get to collaborate with you. Yeah, we we it's true. We this show would not exist without Shane's determination and drive to bring it into the world. Because <laughs> Stan and I are fun, but man, I don't. You know, we wouldn't get the schedules. We wouldn't be thinking about it. I'm so glad we're we're coast. We're like we're coasting now. Like I think we we got to that point over a long time. But I said this last time we talked about this. I think is like I think every project, you know, you have to have one person sort of pushing it along for a while. And now it's just, it's on, it's, it's rolling on momentum and uh, inertia and the fact that we just like doing it so much and like, you know, engaging with uh, the listeners out there. So it's, it's, it's no longer, it's no longer a thing that's even, you know, it was, it was never my thing. It's now our thing and it's now the nation's thing. Hey Dave, thank you too for being the creative director extraordinaire, your, your vision and, and, design skills like have elevated the aesthetic identity of our show and like everything we put out the stickers the pins the twitch overlays like you've been so huge in making all of that and and similar to shane's contributions like i don't know if our show would have been nearly as good no. if, if you weren't present and like sharing your wealth of knowledge and wisdom and experience with us for free <laughs> well you do get you do let me come on here and talk so that's a good that's a good payment and then Stan, we have to thank you for just being the positive force. Yes. Keeps us happy, keep us engaged, and also bring a lot of content creation, expertise, editing, storytelling, that kind of mm -hmm. thinking to the mm -hmm. table as well. And finally, thank you to everybody who joined us tonight, and thank you to all the listeners, and thank you to anybody who's ever listened or ever supported the Patreon and or sent a nice tweet or done a review. It all helps. It all helps. Should I... So here, how about this? I'll wind us out. We thanked Tanner, right? One last shout out for Tanner, our editor. Like, oh my God, we get to do other stuff while Tanner makes the show f sound good for us. Consistent, professional, reliable, Portland pod, taking over the MTG podcasting empire, one show at a time. We love working with Tanner. So thank you too for, for doing such great work for us for so long. Thanks, T-Baby. That wraps up this week's show. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you get the next 100 episodes as soon as they come out. We're doing the Netflix model for the next 100 episodes, so we're actually going to put out 101 through 200 all at the same time next week. <laughs> <laughs> Binge watch. If you use Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review as well. If you'd like to submit a question to the podcast, put it in chat right now. Maybe we can answer a few before we sign off. You can also tweet us at the dive down. You can email us at thedivedown.com. And that's it. We're on Reddit too, sometimes. Basically every week. If you'd like to support the show because you haven't already, consider donating to an organization in our name. Feeding America, that's a good one. You can also support us directly through Patreon, patreon.com slash thedivedown. Sometimes we use Patreon funds to give back to charities. You can also support the podcast while playing Magic with Mana Traders. Sign up for ManaTraders.com. Coupon code THEDIVEDOWN, all one word. Get 15% off your first three months of renting Magic Online cards. Special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music for 100 episodes. Well, I guess there was one bonus episode. Like 98. 98 or 99 episodes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The first episode or two, we had different music. And then one time for the bonus with Remy, I used Remy's music. But otherwise, like at least 100 plus if you include the bonuses, that was a lot of free music we got to use. So thanks, Nowhere <laughs> and Spaceblood for being friends. 
And until next week, get out there and thank you so much for a hundred episodes!